Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Higabon on Twitter. Uh, and I'm here again, actually, uh, oft, oft requested guest. Um, you've, you've become one of the more requested. Uh, people will come to me and say, uh, you know, strong men crying, etc., saying, when, when will Dia be on the show again? Um, and the answer is right now. Uh, it, I, I have to say, <laughs> it's exciting to have you on the show and not be talking about the uh, the difficulty discourse that just happened today. Um, I'm thrilled we are not like that's not the reason I had you on. That feels like feels like a win on some level. I'm really pissed off because so every time I see the fucking difficulty discourse come up, I am reminded that I wrote a really fucking great piece oh, about piece. that for Pace. Yeah, it's good. I I cited in the book. Like it's it's excellent. It's very good. Which you should fucking read. You should read Trevor's book because Trevor's book is better than my difficulty piece that is cited. I found out now well, in Trevor's book. I will say the difficulty piece is excellent, though. It gets to exactly the core. You know what's funny, Trevor? I read your whole fucking book and I did not notice that you cited. That. That's funny. I cite you. I cite you very like openly, and then like I think I think almost too complimentary. I was like, well, I hope this isn't laying it on too thick. Um, yeah, it was really, it was really weird because you know you had me, you had me do the blurb, which I was, I was absolutely honored to do, but it was very strange being like, but I'm in this book so much. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and and one of the reasons is because <laughs> you write the the only stuff on, um, right, the only work on um, uh, Dark Souls that that you need to read, pretty much. Um, but also because there is that that bit on uh, difficulty that you just like. Honestly, I feel like if you are delving into, and please don't, unless you unless you absolutely have to, I cannot recommend um, delving into difficulty uh, discourse on the internet. Um, but if you are, you should read DSPs because it is, um, look, it's much smarter than what Colin Moriarty is going to say. And that's like, obviously, but still. Yeah. So, yeah, what, I want to ask you actually before before we because like I am interested in what you what you think about this and then we'll then we'll move on. So there's the difficult there's the difficulty discourse that's happened, and I think one of the differences at this point is it's I feel like you've been you've been called into t- into tasks uh, to to defend the idea of an easy mode in terms of Souls games, which you did in the 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 piece for paste, which is very good. And sort of gets at the idea that um, both, I'll, I'll summarize it because the worst thing you, you can be asked to do is to summarize your own work uh, on the spot. So the, the piece <laughs> is like, it, it sort of argues two things. It argues first that difficulty discourse does not somehow um, ruin the essence of a game, right? Like if an easy mode doesn't actually touch the sort of like, you know, core of a game. Um, but the other argument uh, in tandem with that is that a difficulty discourse also is not an easy stand-in for uh, disability discourse, right? Like, these are two different things. And, and in fact, like, as much as we want to defend uh, difficulty discourse and, and say, like, there should be easy modes such as, like, you know, th- that people can enjoy, it also doesn't, like, absolve us if we then say, like, oh, we got easy mode. And then, like, it seems like people just kind of doubled down on it so that that sort of, like, second really nuanced position you had just became un uh, almost unnecessary or... or not unnecessary, but uh, maybe we would say like it, it, it almost like uh, like too fancy. Like like it's like a luxury. We were like, well, we can't 
We can't get to that point because no one's willing to concede the first point. Because <laughs> there was the difficulty discourse about um, auto fire uh, that you, that you had in the near piece, and now there's difficulty discourse oh, yeah. about um, invincibility mode in Psychonauts too. Um, has your uh, has your uh, has your position on difficulty? Uh, sharpened or changed at all in these many, many battles against the, uh, the, the dead horse that we've all beaten to death? I think... You can hear me typing to find my, my actual uh, article because there's a, there's a section in that that it's important. It's the one on and Path this is two, my, right? This is my... This is, yeah, on Pathological 2. Um, pathologic 2. <laughs> on Pathological 2. It's <laughs> a different yeah, game. Listen, I'll play it. <laughs> um, where um, my, my biggest issue with the difficulty discourse and with the accessibility discourse, like, and, the, and, the, and the discourse that arises from the you know, con- conjunction of the two, is that no one is fucking defining their terms. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to have a fucking discussion, you need to define your goddamn terms. And you know what? No one. I swear to God, literally fucking no one. Because I had to do it. I had to come up with a definition of what difficulty fucking was. And shout out to Todd Harper for workshopping that with me. Because without them, I would have been like, no one has ever fucking defined difficulty. <laughs> I swear to God. It is the stupidest fucking thing. We have had decades of this fucking discourse, and no one has fucking defined difficulty. I, um, so I mean, not even just, the first not thing, even just like, uh, your various Moriarty's, Colin, etc., like don't do it. Like no one does. You're absolutely right. Like that is like no. it's absolutely it, it reminds me of um trying to think of like a good example of this, but there's always there, there's like a genre of philosophical piece where um the author kind of like slow walks you into that realization that no one's ever actually defined the thing that they're talking about. That's a very like, you know, eighteenth, nineteenth century German thing to do to be like, has anyone actually thought about what it means when we talk about like <laughs> you know, something. And, and by the end of the piece, you're well, like, no one has. No, it's true. And it was so baffling. Like I spent, I spent hours just going through everything I could find, trying to find a definition for difficulty in games. Like I was pulling up like the, the old bad, like hard bound, like books on um, game theory that like, like MIT press and like, uh, no. New writers oh, no. used to publish that my mom, my mom bought me when I was like ten and shit like that. Like trying to find something, and I found nothing. And so, I was like, I I DM'd uh, Dr. Todd Harper and was like, Todd, I need I need you to help me workshop a definition of difficulty <laughs> because this is what I've got. What do you think? And Todd was like, Well, what about this? And I was like, Okay. So then we we workshopped it, and this is what I ended up arriving at. Difficulty is the subjective experience of mechanical impediment, often in combination to the player achieving their goals. That is the one sentence definition of difficulty. It was such an unfair advantage to have that when I wrote the book, I have to say. To be be able to pull that and be like, oh, I don't have to do this. Um, I also didn't have to define my terms. Yeah, I agree. I think that's perfect because it is this sense of 
you know, like you have two things going on there. The one is the the idea of mechanic, right? Like, I feel like this is something that uh, with and again, not to not to overemphasize not taxation's um, life over here, but um, the 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 idea that like the mechanics somehow are the most important part of the game that like the you know like what happens when i press the up stick is much more important than like the story that's being told and then also that that feeds into a subjective sense of not just finishing the game but some sort of sense of like personal value or value gained from the actual piece itself like it's it's it gets to it so well like i felt like on some level once you defined that you could almost be like yeah and that's so now you get it, right? You get the difficulty this course. Like, now that I've done this, like, we don't have to have the conversation. Like, and that's the thing is, like, I feel like it's really funny because, like, there's two paragraphs, like, and, like, you know, the second one is a beefy one about kind of, um, you know, that we'll say difficulty is not synonymous with accessibility. And the definition of accessibility that I come up with is, which is the process of enabling as many players as possible to engage with a game, regardless of physical or cognitive ability. So like, it's just like wherever that player is, they are able to engage with the systems of your game. And then difficulty is what, you know, it's, the most important, like, honestly, one of the most important things that, like, I learned about game studies um, or to ways of thinking about games really comes from Todd Harper, mm-hmm. who really has hammered home a lot about how games are designed experiences and that developers are designing experiences that they are planning for the player to have. And that, you know... If a player, like, you know, if you are shut out on the Taurus demon, you are not having the experience that, you know, Hidetaki Miyazaki wants you to have. He wants you to eventually, eventually achieve mastery over that fight. Right. And if you are, you know, physically, you know, having, you know, if, 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 you, if you have, you know hand differences and your manual dexterity is not the same as the, you know, idealized player, then you are not having that experience. And that is an accessibility problem. But like if the Taurus demon just has too much fucking health, then that is a, you know, that is a difficulty problem. And I think like what's, what's good about distinguishing those two things. And I think, I think I do this in the book, but don't hold me to it. Um, What's good about distinguishing those two things is that, there is this sense of um, intention and uh, you know desired effect that come into it that simply gets written out when you talk about difficulty in a general sense. Well, like you talk about um, uh, like you take something like the the critique that the invincibility mode somehow makes the game uh, too easy to review or too easy to look at or or you get to ignore swaths of it or you know whatever whatever the argument is about uh psychonauts 2 a game no one has played yet um but the you know it's it's an argument about like how the game actually like functionally works when you put your fingers or your or 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 your hands uh it actually presumes quite a bit even without presuming uh on the on the controller not actually what the people want you to feel when you're playing the game right like the difference like difficulty ultimately is at core about, you know, are you able to get to the intention of the author at any given point through the paths that they have set out for you? 
And if you can't, then you can say, like, well, the game's a little difficult. Where you talk about, like, you know, the Battletoads uh, speeder bike stage. And you say, like, yeah, that's too hard. <laughs> like, it's too hard. You can't. If, if, the, if Battletoads has something to say in the end, like, so many people aren't going to get to it because that stage is too hard. Um, but, like, that's not something people are generally willing to go to, to say. Yeah. yeah. But. I don't know. I just, it feels so weird to me that like I spent so much time writing this piece that's largely ignored. <laughs> yeah, that's well. I I think I when I'm just like I feel like I'm just like I'm like no I I did it I solved the fucking problem y'all now shut the hell up and move on with the next just thing. Just spamming it and every time like, it comes up. <laughs> I mean, you should. Like I stopped because well, I mean the thing is funny because like I should because simply because you know. Uh, pace could use the traffic and but also I don't because I just have given up on this industry just so yeah. just blanketly like I just like I look at like I look at the landscape and I'm just like you know what fuck all of this <laughs> I'm I'm so above this yeah. I think you know I think the you know the funny thing about <laughs> the funny thing about the the discussion today uh, about invincibility and, and the other day and, and the day and we'll, we'll get to the actual content of the podcast in a second but I'm glad that you're on actually in all seriousness to talk about this because it is it's it's one of the dumber possible I, I actually did have to edit this out of the book because I had like a whole bit where I was like one of the dumbest possible arguments anyone ever has is about <laughs> difficulty discourse and they were like you're starting your chapter with this no one's gonna read it I was like oh I guess <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true but um you know like I think the that the argument stems from this surety that games reviewers are like the the great Satan here who, you know, play the game on easy or something and they can't they can't get across what the game actually is about. It just like it it is this sort of like hollowing out of the game in general just to its mechanical parts, which is so weird. Like it's it literally is like reviewing it like you would a um, like an automaton at the 1900 World's Fair or something like that. Like, well, this was fun, but when I hit the, the, the gun, the duck doesn't always fall down. Sometimes it sticks halfway. So, you know, definitely half star off for that. Um, but you're right. Like it, Absolutely, yeah. But it's not as if, like, we're getting a, a super compelling argument from the other side, too. Like, no, no one's willing to have the argument on, on terms other than, like, Shut up, you! <laughs> like never really working it out. And I mean, here's the thing: is that like, how do you make a game more difficult? Okay, well, guess what? You put multipliers on the damage to the player, and you put multipliers on the damage received from player, and you just tweak those to be less favorable to the player. You know, all more. When you adjust the difficulty in any of the Elder Scrolls games, um, all it means is you do less damage and they take more damage. Things have, things become, you know, just hit, like, you know, box, like sponges. They just, like, I'm just full of hit points. Right. Keep hitting me with your silver sword. Doesn't fucking matter. Which, um, you know, like, the interesting thing about, like, you know, with Elder Scrolls is, it, you know, is that one of the ways you train your defense and your physical abilities and your attack and things like your, your melee skills is you crank the difficulty up a whole bunch and you hit the shit out of like, you know, something that 
has a really slow attack and a really weak attack. Yeah. Um, and so you're just wailing on this one dude repeatedly, and it's got so much hit points that like it doesn't fucking matter. Um, and then your 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 knife you skill is up to like a million before you know it. Yeah, and then you turn the difficulty way the fuck down, and you piss it off, and then you just like walk away from your screen for an hour while it hits you and does no damage. But like now, suddenly your block skill and your heavy armor skill is like through the roof. Right. It's like the it's like that old. Um, <clears throat> It's like the old trick in Metal Gear Solid 2 where you could just do a bunch of pull-ups, right? And suddenly you're str- like at, at any given point and suddenly your strength yeah. to like hang on to walls got maxed. I mean, ult- that's like, you oh, know, good. Ultima Online. Yeah. Back to um, back to the I mean, honestly, back to the back to the OG. Yeah, like I I went, you know, like when you first start a character, you will get murdered by a fucking rat. <laughs> you know, like you go to fight a rat, you will die. Um, but if you macro your escape key to cast like stealth and you put a salt shaker on your escape key and you go to school, (laughs) you come home, suddenly you've got max dexterity and a max stealth skill and you are a fucking murder machine because nothing can hit you. And like you are invisible to everyone and that, and you're still like, like, you know, this like low level bullshit character. But you you can sneak around now. It reminds me yeah. like it reminds me exactly of like what the point of like invincibility was in the first place, which was like it was a debug option that you could like you could you could right. find it by using your game genie, right? Like this was something that you put in. You were like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if I was invincible in Mario? Or like, wouldn't it be cool to see the last levels that I can't get to? Um, and so I'm just gonna make my game genie say I'm invincible. Or, like, I'm going to make my game genie say I have, like, 30 times enough health. And, like, I don't know. Like, I, f- I feel like at the end, especially when the discourse is about, like, is this really the game? Like, it ultimately just goes back to being, I don't know, like, 10 and being like, we well, didn't really beat Contra. You used the, use the Capcom codes you didn't, or the Konami codes. You didn't, you didn't really beat Contra. Like, yeah, to really beat it, you have to do it with two lives. And it's, like, it, it's when you put it that way, when you think about it, like as a debug thing, as just like a, a, a functional kind of problem, it's so stupid. Like why, why is everyone so worried about this? And it's really funny because basically ultimately the, all the difficulty discourse, it comes back to, you know, pissing contests in the arcade. And you know why the games were difficult in the arcade? Because they wanted your money. Because of fucking capitalism. Yeah. The, the arcade needed to make a living. It needed to go home and buy some stuff for its kids. Here's the thing. We made, you know, games were made to be stupid hard because they needed you to keep pumping quarters in, to, you know, so that everyone could make money off of these fucking cabinets that, like, stuck quarters out. I mean, that's, like, it's not surprising that some of the only, like, real money makers that lived through that era, like, that are still, like, in the in this era and based on like pure skill and trying to like make your reflexes fast enough that you can avoid paying more quarters are uh top down shooters and or edge mops or um fighting games, right? Like Yeah. Those make sense. Yeah. When you talk about beat 'em ups, which I mean I love I love the Souls games so much, but the the origin, like the, the, the core of the Souls games is one part RPG, whether or not you want to say that's D and D or uh, PC, you know, first-person RPG or whatever, uh, a la Kingsfield, and then one part beat 'em up. Like 
without you know there's there's final fight in your in your dna my friend like <laughs> you know you oh yeah 100%. yeah and it's like once you think about it like that and you think like oh is, is final fight actually like much more fun when i make it or streets of rage is it much more fun when i put it on hard mode eh, maybe but it's mostly like just harder like it doesn't change the game at all at that point it's like yeah in its dna it does not care yeah, and like, and even when you put those games on hard mode, all it is is bosses take more damage and they dish out more damage. Right. You know, which is which is literally what hard mode. You know, when you go to New Game Plus and New Game Plus Seven in Dark Souls, that's what it is. Things just have more health. Things just hit harder. Yeah, don't get hit by it, or you know? you're gonna die. Like, yeah, it's just like okay, now you're in one shot mode. All right, whatever. Like. <laughs> If that's what you're into, cool, but I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to keep, you know, like Final Fight was more fun at home with my friends where we could like eat an entire pizza and drink a two liter of Diet Coke and like blow through the whole game and together. Just put some martial law in a city. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Like I think and I think like the the uh, the experience I had with that was um was Ikaruga when I was playing a lot of Ikaruga on the GameCube, I would get, I would get really, really into perfecting it. Like, I think I got like the first level and a half down perfect. And I could like, I could get through that collecting most of the, you know, doing most of the, the flips with the ship, getting most of the charges and you know, like I, I could play it very well, but ultimately it was cooler that after that first level that I could, that I got down really well, I could then just have ultimate, like unlimited continues. Like I was like, I want to see what the rest of this cool game looks like. Like I, it doesn't matter if I can beat it or uh -huh. not. That's not the point. Because um, like ultimately, like you know, I, there was a PlayStation game I remember that I played a ton, and it was a, a fixed shooter game, but it was on console, and I got extremely good at like the four levels I could beat because you had to be like pixel perfect, never get hit, and. I never could beat the rest of it. And it was frustrating because like they made it as hard as the arcade. And that's an instance where you're like, well, that's a, that's an opportunity lost. I don't remember the name of that game. It was, I spent a lot of time with it. I wanted to see the end, but like what, what did it get you to make it that difficult? Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that are not difficult, I suppose in a mechanical sense, <laughs> Actually, this is a great segue. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to talk about visual novels and I think uh, specifically we're going to be talking about the silver case which um you know, I've played like 3 visual novels, so you know, take take this with a grain of salt. Uh, I'm playing more now, so we'll see what happens, but um probably like my favorite if not like one of my two favorite uh, uh, uh visual novels. Um and I think one of the things about maybe we should just say like handle this on the top like one of the things about visual novels is the way in which they are so often considered to be not real games right like s somehow lesser than a game or somehow different because they are not um they don't they don't embrace a win loss um uh, uh dichotomy well, it's interesting because, like, even like a lot of like visual novels will get looked like there is a contingent in the interactive fiction community, even that will like look down and be like, "No, those aren't games." 
And those those really aren't even interactive fiction. Wow. You know, like like visual novels, visual novels get it come in like all kinds of directions, which is funny because it's kind of I you you can't not be like, okay, is there a little bit of racism involved mm-hmm. here? Oh, is it is it be, are you saying that because every time people bring up visual novels, they call them porn games or something? Is that is that what you're thinking of? Is that the racism? It's really if we, it's really funny because um, the other day, uh, you know, a uh, dear friend uh, from Abnormal Mapping, M, uh, at M underscore being on Twitter, follow them, y'all. Good um, follow. They were like, I had no idea you liked visual novels because I was loading up my, place, my, my PS Vita with a bunch of visual novels and I was talking about Silvercase and they were like, I had no idea you liked visual novels. And I was just like, I, are you fucking kidding me? Like... <laughs> I grew up on, like, you know, uh, interactive. You know, I grew up on, on on IF games. You know, early text adventures, and and then graphic adventures, and then I grew up on like Japanese, you know, like games like a uh, Princess Tomato in the Salad Kingdom. Oh, such a classic. Um, I haven't thought about the game in a which, long yeah, time. Yeah, like that was like that was that was like that was honestly that was one of the most formative games for Baby Dia because like that game was just like so. It was so different, but it pulled in so many things that were very familiar yeah. um, for me as a, as a young child gamer. Um, but like, you know, and from there it was, it was, it was getting bootleg fan translated patched, you know, like Otome and hentai games from Usenet. Yeah. Those were the ones you could get. Like I, I remember playing games like that and I don't remember the content or anything, but that's just like. You know, you download a Neo Geo pack or something, right? Like, you'd have a MAME emulator or whatever, and, like, that would be the thing you'd find. And be like, all right, like, is it a weird, like, um, is it a weird, like, break the block thing that then has, like, uh, a strange, like, lewd section? Did I download, like, a bars uh, standard game uh, card? Or did I download sort of, like, a strange story that I'll be able to make it through most of? Because like I, I feel like as a as a teen, especially when I saw those like those hentai or otome games, I, you know, you could have asked me what I was doing. I probably should would have had some sort of like baroque answer for you if you caught me playing them. But certainly at that point, what I was thinking was, oh, this is like porno, and like it's hard for me to find like good porno, um, and it's not really like even even the games that are meant that way are not don't really play that way. It's not like they're much more they're much more in depth like it's much more about like having the story told to you um it's so, like i feel like when people level that and and say like oh this is like such a such like a porny genre or something it's like it's it's a misunderstanding of like a what like i mean it's a misunderstanding of the genre and also like its connection to the erotic oh absolutely and especially like you know it's funny because if you like think about it at the time you know the like, obviously, we've got, like, the Duke Nukems where you can, you know, you can give money to the strippers, you know, and before you murder them, of course. Or, you know, the Leisure Suit Larry games. And all of the games that kind of, there was, like, what? There was, like, the horny sorcerer graphic adventure guy, too. Was it Simon the Sorcerer? Oh, yeah. Was that I it? think Simon, yeah, Simon the Sorcerer was, was Simon horny? I feel like everyone had a horny side in American. Uh, yeah, I 
But like, you know, we were like thinking of spe- the specifically like explicit one. There was also, um, there, there was definitely the graphic adventure that was like, uh, the space one with the like crazy sex crazed moon lesbians or whatever. Um, that was very popular, but like there were all of these, like, you know, you had horny nerd, horny nerds were the ones who were making the games and they weren't getting laid. And so they were making these horny porn games. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was um, like, I, I think like the, you know, it's, it's those kind of horny porn games just make me think of the, uh, the stuff you could find in like, um, uh, image directories that were just like v- randomly linked from websites. Like just like a whole thing of just, you know, the stuff now people will post in replies to, uh, bigots on Twitter, just like, you know, giant drawn horses and stuff like that. It's like, oh, huh. This is like if I if I was a different person, if I had uh, if I had different inclinations, like this would have definitely flipped some switches for me. But as I'm looking at it right now, like I'm just confused. Like it's sort of like, you know, uh, uh, a kinks passing in the night. Um, that was just that kind of that was that kind of like it was sort of the scene then. And, and I mean, that scene of like horny nerds making weird stuff that you find on the internet obviously still is a scene, but it really, you're right. Like it's, it's very strange to line up these games with that. Yeah. And it's like, it's just because there was a market for, you know, there will always be a market for porn. People, people want to get yeah, off. People, yeah. People, um, people like pornography. It turns out. And, and I don't <laughs> blame surprise, them. Um, um, but like, but like, yeah, but so then we do, we, you know, the entire genre gets painted with this, you know, it's either porn or it's stupid shit for girls. Right. Or, uh, it's and stupid like, shit for girls or, um, people who are like, you know, otakus or whatever, like it's like weebs or whatever. Like it's, yeah, that, that's the other thing where it's like, oh yeah, the, the other thing it is, is just for the insufferable people who just like anime and don't want to play real games like Last of Us 2. I, I picked that one to annoy you. Sorry. Oh God, it worked. God, now my brain is just like dead. I'm sorry, um, but no, I mean like it. It is like I, I think once you. What's surprising about visual novels to me is the same thing that's been surprising about watching a lot of anime for me as like you know more anime because um, like there's a there's a certain kind of there's a certain kind of like. Um, uh, baseline thing you can you can get into while getting into visual novels or just like wandering into them vis-a-vis like just your regular life right like if you're a gamer and you're sort of like wandering around the internet growing up when DNI did or growing up a little later like you you end up you end up running into stuff like you end up running into Evangelion or you end up running into Cowboy Bebop or you end up running into some sort of like visual novel-ish thing, either more or less horny, that corresponds with the, the like, the up and down, dying and then ascendant adventure genres. Um, but there's so much more going on beyond that. And I think, like, what I found with visual novels is, like, they're actually some of the most experimental video games out there. I think so. Um, you know, if even if just in terms of presentation... Mm. Um, 
you know, like we're, we're talking about silver case and I went back through it, um, in the past, like 48 hours, I just ramrodded the game into my That's body. That's such a good way to play it too. If I, if I have to recommend people play it in a certain way, it would be to play it within 48 hours. You can do it. Um, Oh yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a 13 hour experience but, top, but to it's bottom. worth, it's worth um, just like, it's worth just like mainlining it. Um, because yeah, yeah it, it, it gets in your brain that way. And like, um, you know, one of the things, even like, you know, I'd played it before. Um, and uh, shout out to at, at Space Twinks. Colin Space Twinks um, was the one who I was like, Colin, what's this silver case shit? And should I, should I play this? Like uh, maybe a couple of years mm-hmm. ago, like two or three years ago. Because uh, it was on sale on Steam. And Colin was like, are you kidding me? You haven't fucking played the silver case? Are you, what, what the fuck is wrong with you? This is the most Dia fucking game. Go fucking play the silver case. <laughs> It really um, is. So I got this. <laughs> so I got it and I was just like, holy shit. And I played it very slowly. Mm. Um, and, and then like, I, I played it again eventually um, right before I played the, the 25th war, the second part of it. And I was kind of like, okay. Um, but both times were kind of slower, more like, uh, I'll pick it up here and there and do like, you know, uh, a, a chapter, you know, uh, a week kind of mm-hmm. deal. Um, which is a way you can play it. You can absolutely play it the way you would watch an anime. Yeah, it still works. Um, but I really, the, there is a feverishness to the presentation that absolutely works when you are playing it in seven hour sittings in like two days. I think like, uh, yeah. And I think like the thing about the way that that uh, comes through is like, if you play the game here and there, cause I played it in bits and pieces too. But if you once you play the last main chapter, the last sort of like serious main chapter, um, Life Cut, that is such a long and like intense and weird chapter that like you get the experience of what it would be like just a, a far miniature to play the game like that. And you sort of get a sense like it's like seeing the tip of the iceberg like, oh, if I really just sat down with this and its sequel and its pseudo sequel and just like played them all through this is how I would feel. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm interested in, in, in more of like, of your, your thinking about that. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm just going to introduce it so we can just like get right into it. Um, yeah, let's see so that. Silvercase is a game by, uh, Suda, uh, 51. I always want to, I always go between yeah. 51 and 52. Oh, thank God. Uh, Suda 51, um, who I was under the impression people did not like Suda's writing. And I guess sometimes they don't, um, I posted about this game and said Suda was a good writer uh, because if you play this game and you don't think Suda's a good writer, I don't know what game you're playing. Um, but uh, someone someone was like, yeah, I guess I guess sometimes he is. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to play more Suda games now. But uh, I, I, I was concerned about the writing, and it's the last thing you need to be concerned about in this game. Um, uh, it is a game about... So basically you play this character who uh, is introduced as a um, sort of... Uh, voiceless protagonist, no name, no voiced protagonist, classic RPG protagonist. Um, you are sent into this, uh, for lack of a better word, like a, a, a detective squad, a sort of like uh, highly specialized detective squad that also then is permitted to eliminate, uh, 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 I guess like uh, bad actors. Um, it is a bit of a, uh, a bit of a, um, 
dystopia, sort of. It's not quite in the future. It's just barely in the future from when the game was released, but it takes place in this strange place called the 24 Wards, um, which is a very sort of like dystopian um, authoritarian city. Uh, you were part of a cleanup team to try and capture the serial killer named... Um, uh, why am I forgetting the serial killer's name? Oh, God. Kamui. Yeah, Kamui, thank you. Uh, good Lord. It's like... The, the, the Kamui is... The, the word Kamui is said 8,000 times <laughs> in the game. That's like the most embarrassing thing in the world for me. But, um, yeah, so like you're, you're sent to capture Kamui and everything goes wrong. Um, and then you join this detective squad because everything has gone wrong and they just sort of kind of adopt you. Um, and so what it seems like is the game's going to be about solving cases to find Kamui. Um, there's this side thing where you play as another guy named to uh, Tokyo, um, who is, um, sort of like a, kind of like, doesn't have... He's a freelance journalist, isn't he? Kinda, yeah. He's like a freelance journalist, but also a freelance detective. He's a blogger. Yeah, he's a blogger. <laughs> he's a, he's a wild... I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't write a blog except for himself. He's wild. Like, he... He lives, he lives the life of, of the blogger, if nothing else. Um, and he, um, he basically is also uh, looking into Kamui just from a different angle. Um, and so, you know, the game looks like it's going to be about you uh, looking at these cases. Maybe Tokyo's cases will coincide with yours. It always seems like, you know, they, they sort of expand upon the cases you have. And I would say for the first four or so it's pretty straightforward. Like, it's like, the, they're the cases, they're a little strange, that sometimes they relate to Kamui, they look creepy or spooky, uh, but they all have sort of, like, interesting, but, uh, you know, interesting, but, like, I wouldn't say pat, but, you know, reasonable conclusions. And then, as the game goes on, the very idea of, like, who Kamui is, what the 24 wards are, what the basic idea of this crime that you're researching is, who all of your colleagues are, who Tokyo is, just crumbles over the last three cases or so. And it, um, it becomes this very strange commentary on um, the millennium. It becomes a very strange commentary on detective work itself. Um, and I think that's like, I, I don't know, there's a lot to talk about with all of it, but I think that's probably where most discussion um, ends up uh, focusing. How'd I do? Yeah. I think you think you nailed it. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> it's so funny because, like, you know, we you you bring up like millennialism um, in this game, and like, you know, you had the really good. I guess was a was it a Patreon podcast? I you think did, so. Yeah. Uh, that where you were linking it to, uh, or you were putting you were putting the Silver Case in conversation with Twin Peaks, which I thought was. Really interesting because I had just recently started rewatching Twin Peaks because I never saw the second season. Oh yeah, you know I never finished the second season. I've been meaning to rewatch it, but I'm trying to put limits on what I do, what what I plan to do now. But uh, <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, no, I I'm with you on that because the the, the second like the first season ends and then the second season is just like okay, this is this is um, tiresome. <laughs> like I'm I'm done. Well, it's it's funny because I watched I I watched the Twin Peaks. Um, you know, uh, with its release. Like I was, that was a show I was watching as a child. Um, and I loved the original twin peaks at uh, the first season. And then like eh, school happened and I was getting in trouble cause I was being a bad delinquent child. It's important. And, uh, 
and I wasn't like, you know, my TV was restricted and like, also, I also didn't care cause I had better video games. And so <laughs> I just kind of fell off of like, I have a really hard time of remembering schedules and this was before TiVo and this was before streaming. So like, if you didn't catch it, you were yeah, fucked. You were done. And like with Twin Peaks, if you missed an episode, you were fucked. You could buy like fan subs. Um, That's about it. Right? Like, so um, I think I just like, I just fell off and I just never watched mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so, you know, I had recently been like, oh, it's on Netflix. I should just fucking rewatch Twin Peaks and then finally watch the second season. And so I did. And um, turns out I actually like really love Twin Peaks. It, it's um, a, it, I think like the strange thing about Twin Peaks is how much you I feel the same way, like how much it seems like it would be a show that would not hold up. That would be like disappointing or like otherwise like, OK, like this is fine, but not super interesting like i don't need to read the, i don't need to like look at this necessarily but like ultimately it is it, it's really cool like it's a really great series like it's just super super well done yeah and like um it was really it's it was really funny because it was very much scratching an itch um that um i had been missing this kind of sense um, and the silver case for, like fulfills it too, and I guess it is a sense of there is a millennialism to it. Um, well, it takes place right before the millennium, right? Yeah, like that kind of like you know, and really, I think it's like 1995 is when it really peaks, and then silver case is kind of a reaction to all of the stuff that peaked in 1995, 1996, yep. like that mid-decade end of the millennium spread where you have things happening like, um, you know, I, I, I was joking about the, the things that I was doing in anticipation of our podcast. It was kind of putting me back in this mindset. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, those were good. I like that. I like that. These textures that I was pulling together. And so, like, you know, I was thinking about things like Seven. Oh, um, yes. And, 12 and albums like like Tricky's Max and Quay. And, like, even, like, fucking... Okay, Tw- Tricky has an album called Premillennial Tension, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you know, like, I was listening to My Evil is Strong, like, all week. Um, just just pulling these things together. Um, and, like, you know, thinking about, like, uh, the TV show Millennium, which is actually referenced in The Silver Case, which is my favorite fucking, I didn't, like... I didn't catch that reference. That's amazing. There's one of the people you talk to when you go to the apartments, the Typhoon yeah. Apartments... Dur- he, is his during, alibi is oh during the during the, the the dead kid case right yeah during the dead kid case and he's like well i wasn't here for that because i went to the movie store to rent um the third season of millennium <laughs> yes i remember that okay i and it's just like it's just like one of those moments where it's just like uh-huh yeah i fucking see you suda like i see you <laughs> i i um, love i love how like how the I mean, Suda also gets the whole, like, oh, he's a he's a big-time pervert thing. And, like, I, I don't necessarily see it all the time, but I do like the way he he understands, like, how leisure and desire work, and he just, like, puts that all over his stuff. Like, it's just everywhere. You can't possibly play mm-hmm. this game without being like, oh, I wonder, I wonder how leisure and desire work in the Silver Case. <laughs> like, well, right there. It's really, it's really funny, because, like, there is, like... Um, <clears throat> You know, you do have, uh, 
Oh God, what's this fucking name? This is the problem with this game is there's so many fucking names to keep track yeah, you of. Yeah, I mean you could just like call um, them by the by their their type, I suppose, because there's all like all this, this game is full of people who like fulfill a kind of type. Sumio, Sumio. Oh Kodai. yeah, Sumio. Um, yeah, the 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 young, fresh-faced detective who um, who's horny for the serial yes, killer. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, for like for he, uh, uh, and I, uh, Ame, um, uh, Ayame. Ayame, yeah, which. Always through yeah. me because in Spanish that's help me and I, I get confused. <laughs> it's a Yuda me. Oh, is, well, isn't isn't the isn't the <laughs> you're right. Oh God. Yeah, it's a Yuda Yuda me. Help I me. thought I thought it was the command. But, um, but you're absolutely right. It is a Yuda me. Um, yeah, it's it's close sorry, enough. Yeah, but um, uh, my Spanish is like, quite bad. But <laughs> it's actually um you know or there's 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 um in the placebo section mm-hmm. i think it's like god it's like the last placebo section the bartender who's gay yes yes the bartender and was what he's I was in the bdsm yeah. right like it's it's you know um, but he talks about bds he talks about bdsm as like this sort of it it's a way to think about it's it's the same thing with sumio it's just like it's a way to think about interaction with other people and like what exactly. what people must think of me, or like what I think of myself, or like what this identity means to me, and like it never, like Tokyo has his sort of like ex girlfriend, who is also the reporter that uh, he's working with, and it never actually like comes up, like the the kind of like romance they might have, right? Um, it's hinted at a lot, and she sort of is like, hey, maybe we could make this work. Like I could probably leave my husband. Um, but it never is touched on. And so like any sort of actual consummation of sex in the game is, um, I mean, deeply limited to the point that, you know, you think about something like, um, um, Ayame and, um, uh, uh, uh Kamui who like, yeah. who are destined to be lovers in like a sort of like repetition forever. Um, I mean, the closest we get of, like, a sexual uh, consummation is just, like, these weird places where their kids have to live in, like, a bunch of <laughs> messed up bomb shelters uh, that are there as, like, uh, I don't know, like, like almost like you'd see in an, an RV shop or something like that. It's wild. Like, it's it's just, like, the the way sex works is always as a way of talking about the self. Um, explicitly. Yeah. Never, never about anything else. Which I, I really kind of admire because it's sort of, like... It takes the detective. It takes the subtext of the detective story. And it's just like, all right, we're just making this text because the rest of the stuff doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, it's really funny because I definitely heard people who have been really critical of the writing of this game, <laughs> and this is like one of the sharpest, best written games I have played. I mean, this game goes like this game goes like I don't want to blow smoke up Suda's ass because he's, like he's doing fine. <laughs> Like yeah, he's he's fine. He doesn't he doesn't need it. And also, he's definitely done shit that I just look at and I just go, "What the fuck is wrong with you, Suda? Jesus Christ!" He's very he's but very like, prolific, which is uh, definitely one of those blessings and curses. Yeah, but like, like when I think about like I think about like you know like the Sumio and Ayami, the scene where you go to Ayami's um, apartment, mm. and Ayami is like, you know there's just this sequence back and forth where it's almost just ellipses and just kind of the two of them having this very circular, um, you know, God, like it's almost like, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the author of the, the, the screenwriter now. 
Um, but like, it's like they're having two conversations, like just like mm-hmm. a, a opposite one another yeah. and the way it's presented. Um, and this is what I like when I was thinking about like the way the text um, is pre- like the way that the story is presented and the way the game it like presents itself and the text presents itself. Um, and um, the interesting thing about ramrodding this game through is I was, um, I was definitely hitting that advanced text button, you oh, know, yeah, so no. like it was just speeding through the text very rapidly and like the two of them just spitting back and forth at one another. And it was so much more interesting than when I kind of originally just kind of let it just like tick along and typewriter out. Um, yeah. And it became this very quick, you know, um, the way people think of the West Wing, if the West Wing was actually <laughs> smartly written. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it is, it is, um, there is like legitimate back and forth. I think like, and, and that, that scene in particular, I think there's also like the scenes with, um, Tokyo and the, like the sort of strange, like dumpy middleman guy who is like kind of, uh, I guess kind of like a, a, a central point of the of the conspiracy, but also isn't, um, where he just like keeps going back and forth with this guy about like Kamui. And I mean, it is like, I, it's hard to top the, the, the Sumio Ayame bit just because of how, I don't know, because of how like, um, poignant it feels. Robert Altman. Oh, okay. Yes. yes, 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 yes. I see exactly what you mean there. Yeah, absolutely. There, there is this intense Robert Altman quality to that moment and it's great. Um, especially if you're fast forwarding through the text it, it, <laughs> and still managing to read it. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, I think the other thing about it is like, these are two characters who are, who live in like, who live these like utterly like, Oh, you know, if you, so one of my, one of my opinions that always gets me in trouble is, um, I find the, uh, I find the, like, and I, I don't know about the remake. I haven't played the remake yet, but, um, uh, I find the original final fantasy seven, uh, script to be really irritating because I think the I think Zach is like a terrible turn for I just I, I don't like it. It, it it never worked for me and maybe it's because I was young when I played it maybe it deserves a replay I'm not sure I, I I can't I can't guarantee I'm being fair but one of the reasons I don't like that is because it feels like Zach is just like a canard where it's just like oh like now we'll explain what's going on with this crazy soldier cloud you've gotten used to um, and in Silvercase like. There's just as much outlandish stuff. So spoilers for Silvercase if you want me to stop. But if you want to uh, maybe, I don't know. I don't know how we can talk about this game anymore without spoilers. So probably for the rest no, of No, like I, I just kind of assumed from the drop we were putting a spoiler. Yeah, we, yeah we've, already, we've already dropped some spoilers. But just for the first case, like if you're, if you're at this point, you haven't missed much uh, or you won't miss much. But, uh, you know, definitely from here, if you're worried about that kind of thing, I would stop. But um you know, like Sumio is like the the plot lines with Ayame and Sumio are like extraordinarily outlandish. Like <laughs> Sumio is secretly deaf and part of this like three group, the group of three boys who are trying to avenge themselves against this like group of townspeople who killed their friend um, by way of like infiltrating the government and like committing domestic terrorism. Uh, and this guy has been like a central cop figure in the game for four cases at this point. He's, it would be like if, you know, you were watching law and order and, uh, and all of a sudden like Briscoe's partner was like, Lenny, um, I actually love to commit crimes. Uh, <laughs> well, no, it would be like, it would be like, you know, like, like Briscoe's partner is like, like, let me like, I did nine yeah, 11. You're right. 
<laughs> like this, that's the level we're talking of absurdity and crimes of crime here. Like literally the like one what, guy, we, we steal 600 billion yen in the form of a diamond. He like, he makes a, he makes a guy blow up his own building uh, with all of his CEO and board <laughs> inside who are constantly portrayed as horrifying demons. I mean like, so like Sumio, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like it is, it is way more, I keep thinking about the guy throwing himself into the smokestack and that's not, that's like absolutely not even the, the tip of the iceberg as far as the, domestic terrorism goes with Sumio's group. Um, but that, that he pulls that off. Suda pulls that off. And Suda also pulls off like the whole, like Ayame and, and, and Kamui are in love. And you're like, okay, I guess like that makes sense. And they're like, okay, now Ayame and Kamui are trying to have like the perfect child. I'm like, all right, fine. Ayame and Kamui are actually like, um, forms of a, of a copy uh, of, of a certain kind of person, uh, and and in fact are replicated throughout the game, including you and all of your friends. It's like uh, okay, it's like I actually can follow you through all. I'm there with you on this, dude. Like take take me there. Like the fact that like he made it such that that's able to be followed is remarkable because it's not it's mm-hmm. not at all an easy narrative. It's like it's 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 convoluted in the way that people talked about uh, Inception being convoluted when it came out. Um, Inception is not particularly convoluted. This is tough. Like this one's hard to follow, um, and and ambitious. no, it is, and like it's it is it it is it's a very ambitious narrative. It is it is told in a convoluted way. Um, did you? Um, so there's 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 two kind of narrative paths through the silver case. Okay. And there is, there's what? There's, there's placebo is the second one. What's the first one? Not temperance. Um, um, oh, placebo and oh, that's irritating because now I'm thinking the silver case and life cut, and both of those are wrong. Um, let's see. Transmitter, transmitter, oh, yeah, transmitter. There's transmitter and placebo. Which of course, transmitter um, is Akira, your character. He transmits the yeah. the whole thing. Uh, the the sort of will of Kamui and the placebo is uh, Tokyo, who sort of doesn't quite transmit Ayame. Yeah. So um, and so there's there's two like there's kind of two ways you can play this. You can play through. Um, placebo doesn't unlock until you play through transmitter ep- the t- transmitter episodes. But you can do Transmitter, you can do like, you know, episode one of Transmitter and then episode one of Placebo and then episode two of Transmitter and then episode two of Placebo. Or you can do all the way through Transmitter and then all the way through Placebo. Um, What did you end up doing? I went... Because I'm interested in... I went back and forth. Um, Okay, so you did. Yes, I did. Um, I went, I I played Transmitter and then Placebo, Transmitter and then Placebo. Um, I liked that a lot um, because what I ended up really getting out of like what I I didn't expect where it went you know I had no clue that it would go this way but I went back and forth between them and was like oh cool like uh it seems like placebo just gives like another perspective on transmitter and it's like super super interesting like there's one so there's one case in the middle right where that really kind of stands out that uh, is different than any of the other cases in the whole game it was about this um this kid who's looking for his missing friend and like his he he hires Akira, your character, to find him, um, and he's terrified of Tokyo, the who lives in his building, who lives in the Typhoon Apartments, because um, Tokyo seems sort of like a a weird guy you, a kid would be terrified of. Um, but like your your character Akira, basically helps this kid find out that yeah, you know your friend was like your friend like 
ran away. I forget if it was an accident or this guy like that you find out actually killed him or something like that, but you're the the kid you're working for essentially uh, is the reason this guy the 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 guy you find dead at the beginning of the of the uh, chapter is dead, and it it was like very strange and very evocative, and then the placebo bit revealed a little more about it and gave just a, enough away that it was like okay I feel like I have some closure on this and so that's what I thought it was going to be, and then by the end they really are just like talking to each other, so. I'm curious as to how you played it. So the first time I ever played the silver case, I didn't realize that placebo was unlocking as I was playing. Okay. So I went straight through transmitter and then I was like, okay, now placebo's over here. So I guess I do placebo now. And I went straight through placebo. Oh, that Um, must've been strange. It, it was, but it also felt pretty normal because so like, basically I went through, you know, you kind of end up with, okay, so you go all the way through Transmitter and this one character story. We're following Akira, you know, the the nameless protagonist. Um, I'm glad they gave him a name so uh, you could talk about it if you if you aren't like, yeah. so I don't have to keep calling no, him Hazel like, or something. Like, I, I liked naming him, but I don't want to call him that when I'm talking about it. It was really funny because like I remember just like, it was like, you know, what's your name? And I'm like, my name's Dia. And it was just like, Everyone's like, hey, Dia, that's his, you know, who's that? That's, that's big dick. He's got a big dick. What? I love. I was just like, all right. You're lucky. You guys keep misgendering me, but sure. Call me big dick. You're lucky. I love that nickname. <laughs> yeah, it's, I did. I did, I loved that the, uh, the whole, the whole joke with the, the really tough de- like detective is that he likes you immediately. And the, the way he tells you is by calling you big dick. And like telling everyone that your name is Big Dick, even when you mess up. That was a, that was a nice touch. Yeah, no, it's um, it's really hard not to like love all of these characters. Yeah, and they all hate like every character for one one reason or the other ends up despising the police department they work for. So, in it is it is one of those lovely stories where you you end up uh, all hating authority just as much as each other by the end. Um, I guess if you're Sumio. You hated it the whole time, and you've been—you've just been waiting to destroy yeah. it. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, but like so good. So yeah, so then I played—I played all through transmitter, and then I played uh, all through placebo, and so you kind of end up getting like you know here's here's this weird narrative, you know, like if you just play transmitter and you don't have the placebo to kind of balance it out as you're going along. You are having to do a lot more work if you want to do it. Um, it's it's interesting. Like it was, it's transmitter is like falling asleep during bits and pieces. Uh, it's like staying up too late to watch Twin Peaks. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good way. And of putting so it. you yes. keep and like waking up halfway in between, like in various episodes and fits and spurts, and just kind of being like, "Wait, what? Why are they? Why okay, are they at the Sure, we're just going to go like, with. Why it. is Lara there? Like, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna rewind it. You're just gonna keep going with it, and that's what transmitter feels like. And then placebo feels like actually like, okay, this is now I've gone back through and watched, and now I understand the full context of it. Except, <laughs> I was gonna say, I was hoping thing. you'd have an except there because I had a big except there. So this is. My this is why it's funny because like I initially I was just like when I first was doing it, and I played the first two episodes of Placebo and I'm like this is fucking like okay yeah all right this is a different perspective on chapters one and two and I don't care that much, but then you get to like number three, 
And I love that in both of these things, case number three is where shit goes completely horizontal and both of them go horizontal in completely different yes. ways. And like, I, I remember um, I like, I, I couldn't solve something in case three. It was some, it was some weird thing that I was just like, I was going into the wrong door or something like that. The game is not hard to solve. Like it, it, it was totally my fault. Like I just, I, I didn't, I didn't have the right button pressed or whatever, but I looked up a steam tutorial. Cause like, I was like, well, this isn't, this isn't going to ruin anything. This is literally just me not being able to like press the right button. Um, and so I looked up a steam tutorial and the person was like, I love this case. Like, even though it doesn't really add, like, it doesn't really, it's not really part of the, the, the whole like silver case Kamui thing. I love it. It's like, it is like it, that, that's a funny way of thinking about it because it is so connected to everything going on in this game. Like it is, it is impossible to play this game without that part. Like that is just where everything really does. Like, as you say, like it opens up completely. Yeah, it was it was really funny because like um, so you could get through like so chapter three is, you know, it's 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 called uh, in transmitter. It's called parade. And then in uh, placebo, it's called I think it's a what report three Suki. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, all of all of placebos are women's names um, and yeah. all of all the and, and the, the stuff in um, transmitter are all sort of like they sound like uh, Arctic Monkeys albums. <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're not you're wrong. But so so you in 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 parade you get this uh, fairy tale motif, and it's the story about like you know these these uh, this town where it's being poisoned, and and there are these three lads who try to defend a princess, and she gets taken away, and. Um, you know, the, the lads are both kind of, you know, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, like, you know, punished. And <clears throat> you kind of like, you know, go through it and it's like, what is this weird thing? And what does it have to do with what's going on here? And why is, you know, Sumio talking about this weird fairy tale from this town that he's from? And yeah. he's very kind of like, you know, basically giving it all away. You know, and like he is, he's literally just giving it all away. And it's weird because when I first played it, I was just like, oh, wait, he can't hear. Oh, you picked up on that? Like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, because that was one of the first things you like, he's like, my ears don't work. And it's just like, that's why, you know, he's like, that's why I've got like this real good sense of smell. Oh, I missed that completely. Because when he said that, I was like, oh, geez, I'd have to go through. I think they just six sensed me. Like, this is. Well, and like, and that's the thing is like, it was one of those things where I was just like, what, this is this, this is a weird line. This line feels bad. <laughs> what a, what like, a strange just, thing to point out, Suda. Yeah. Like it's just, it's such a bizarre moment. And it really stuck with me so that like when this came around and I'm like, wait, the guy who can't hear is telling me this story about, you know, this, this one character who, who can't hear. What? This is him. Yeah. <laughs> And so then I get to the, like, you get to the placebo section of it and I'm just like, fucking called it, bitches. <laughs> but then also it's like, it's kind of weird because it's like, I really went back and forth on this one because it's so explicit that I couldn't decide if I hated it or I really loved the way it, it does. It does this. Mm. Like, um, how, how do you mean? Like the it being explicit in like giving, giving the game away for Sumio? Yeah, like it just—it just like it's like here it is. This is this, 
you know, Sumio's story is, is, is really what happened. And like, now, you know, here's confirmation of it all. Um, yeah, you know. I, I see what you mean. Like, I think for me, I loved it because like, there was this real, like, Sumio was the only one of his three friends who had like any sort of like conflict about his choice. Like, he seems to be, like, he seems to be actively, like, sad that he had to um, uh, betray Kusabi, uh, his partner, in doing this. He's like, I'm sorry, like, this was just really important to us. Um, and, like, they, you know, the other characters ask uh, Kusabi later, they're like, have you seen, like, have you seen Sumio? Like, and he's like, yeah, I visited him in jail, he's messed up. Um, like, it's, it, it is this sense of, like, Sumio feels bad about this and him telling, him telling, Kusabi about it is is as much him sort of just being like, hey, like, you know, here's here's my confession, uh, boss. Like, here's here's what I did. Um, I don't know though. It is it is like it's it's very open, and it is also just such a it's such a convoluted story, but like it's such a rewarding one to get the ending of, especially when the uh, the mountain just gets blown up at the end. Like, just, like I had to watch that like six times to figure out what had happened. And like, and that's the thing is like, it's so well done that ultimately it was just kind of like, you know, like for me, like one of the big things is, is like, I never, I, I rarely want, you know, um, the, the mystery to be solved. Mm. Um, you know, like I'm going, like going through dark souls now and there's like, you know, reminding of all of this, the things that pop up along the way that are not resolved. Yeah. Um, you know, like, um, well, just like, you know, what what actually happened between Gwyn and um, uh, God, I just forgot his name. The big knight guy. Oh, Artorius. Um, in the heavy. No, the heavy armor guy. Um, oh, uh, Havel. Havel. Yeah, yeah. Havel the Rock. Like, you know, what happened there? Because there's like a chest with Havel's armor in it that tells a story. Right. Um, because one of the weapons in that is an occult club and occult weapons are used to kill gods. Right. Very specifically. Um, and so then he's, and he's locked in a tower and it's like, okay, well, so here's this weird little narrative that like I can construct, but I never will get proof of that. Right. Um, and it's, it's always, and I, Oh God, please finish up. Sorry. Oh, I'm just saying, and I, I love those. I love not having that proof because it puts in the possibility for doubt and in doubt, there is possibility for expansion and, and, and new possibilities that, that, you know, the story is not concluded and here it does conclude the story. But at the same time, like when I finally kind of threw it, I was kind of like, well, yeah, but I kind of concluded the story myself. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, and it, it is like, it's a story where like, you know, the conclusion... So, I, I completely agree with you. And I think, like, you know, the the one thing I really loved about Silver Case is the way that it introduced its sort of, like, big conspiracy made it feel expansive as opposed to, um, like, a giant sort of letdown. Which is the same way with Twin Peaks, I think. And, like, people felt like, you know, Bob was a letdown because Bob didn't actually answer the questions they wanted the show to answer, right? Like, Bob was is like something much more complicated than just like, Oh, that's the, that's the guy. That's who did it. We caught him officer. Um, but like, it's a better ending than like, Oh yeah, it was, it was explicitly Lara's dad. And here's why he did it. Like the reason for that is because the ending is never going to be quite as good in a mystery. It's always going to be a little more disappointing than the actual conclusion. And I think like 
Silvercase does this in an interesting way where, you know, you find out the conclusion of the story and, like, it is this vast conspiracy of, you know, um, you know finding out uh, about the the twenty five the twenty fifth ward under the city and finding out about like the way that the government is like creating these immortal soldiers by way of like these silver eyes and and how it's like a dead project but the vanity of them all is is like you know keeping it going it's just like there's more it it, it reflects Sumio's story and that there's more there in the end than is like able to sort of be captured by the um, the ending of the narrative, right? Like, even the scene where, like, all the, the like, the sort of demon-coded uh, um, board of directors are killed is, like, more evocative than you get from, like, just actually the denouement that you see and, like, you know, you get the story of what happened to Sumio and his friends and their friend in, like, a little... <laughs> this is this little room basically where it's like, oh, like... You guys want to look at some. Uh, you guys want to look at some documents. <laughs> there's there's documents all over here. We'll explain what happened. Um, everything leading up to that is so much more, and and ending it is m- more more expansive than that can contain. And so, like, I think you're right. Like, it is about the fact that, like, ultimately, you just make the your ending um, what it is at the end. There, that like the explosion that blows up Sumio's town is however you want to interpret that. It never is read. Yeah, and like you know, it's really it's it's funny because like getting through this game, um, like you know, getting through the silver case, like you get to uh, case number two, um, which is case number two is what case um, number spectrum. Yeah, that's the that's the and that's the sort of like nat- that's the Kamui Ayame case, isn't it? That's the the dead kid one. Oh, is it? Okay, okay. I thought that was three. Yeah, it's summer. Koichi. Okay. Well, because yeah, because you start with case zero, right? And that's that's the one where your all your team gets killed. Yeah, and then there's decoy. Well, no, decoy man. Is, decoy man is the one no. with um. Uh, decoy man's the one. That's the one with Ayame. Yeah, that's the, well, no, decoy man is the one with. Uh, is that the one with Ayame? Okay, yeah, it, it probably is. If yeah, it's because one. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I thought I thought yeah, decoy man that's was, where, was uh, Sumio, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, no. So 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 case number two is is, is Spectrum. And that's where you get, um, you, you, you are introduced to the fact that ghosts potentially exist in this world as real things. And just never, never really expanded upon, um, maybe they're ghosts. Maybe they're just things in your head as Tokyo sees it. Maybe they are like other versions of you never explained, which is wonderful. Why would, why would that need to be explained? And like, and that's the thing is like that, that alone has so much possibility because we are already, you know, we're dealing with, we end up dealing with the, you know, the, uh, we, we initially like, you know, right off the bat, the game teases the concept of transmittable crimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and like you get the phrase transmittable crimes. What the fuck does that mean? You know, like you first start this game, you're like transmittable crimes. What the shit? Yeah, like, so this guy and can like, like infect the city. What are we talking about here? Yeah. yeah. Or like, it's like, it's weird. Cause like, it's like, oh, you know, we're going to go to scrub, you know, scrub it's like, what are you guys like? Do you just like show up and just like block out the, the press? Like, what, what do you do? What are you, what are you talking about? And then like, eventually it's like, oh, transmittable crimes. Okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, but like, you know, then you get the, you know, the concept of like, you know, Kamui, you know, this, this, this spirit <laughs> of this, you know, this like, 
like trying to understand what Kamui is is like kind of at the 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 the, the core of this work, but also completely immaterial at the same time. Right, and like I, which I really love, and it's the same thing with Bob. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like the the struggle of what is Bob is both the core and completely unimportant, you know, to like trying to make sense of Twin Peaks and same thing with Kamui here. And Um, I think like one of the things that this does that Twin Peaks doesn't do, right. It's like, and maybe it does it in season two. You'll have to to tell me, but like um, one of the things this does that uh, Twin Peaks doesn't, at least in the first season with Bob is um, it presents the, the problem of Kamui within the world in that chapter where there's sort of like internet Kamui, like that guy kind of like is on the internet the whole time. It's a great chapter and very weird. It does not fit. Like it's just strange and out there and, and on its own. But he basically like, he finds a, a, a fellow person who's interested in sort of being Ayame and he's Kamui, but not quite. And they dress themselves up and they sort of like insist they're the spirits of the millennium. And it's a sort of like chaos cleansing fire sort of thing. They make a lot of threats. Um, there's implications that they are causing problems in, in the city. You never really focus on them, which is kind of funny, but like it is, it is this sense of two people in the world trying to figure out who, who Kamui is as you have been and just watching them get it so wrong, watching them like find their way to like a horrible, horrible answer that is like something Kamui would not like and something that the world itself finds, um, reprehensible just as the like something everyone hates just as the millennium approaches is like i don't know it's fantastic like it's such a it's such a good demonstration of like oh this is a problem like this is a problem you can't solve yeah um kamui drone is such a like ah, god i think i can't decide if it is like my favorite or my least favorite but it is one of the most impressionable moments in this game that's a really good way of putting Um, it it is it is, um, it is either uh, the best chapter or the worst chapter, <laughs> and like it's very hard to tell which one that is. Like it's, it is, it is so. <clears throat> I think one of the things I love it is I, you know, um, so this game was came out in nineteen ninety nine, and it is, you know, nineteen ninety nine was I guess probably right around the time I started getting bored with the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, Blake growing up with like, you know, we had the internet like from like day one. Um, and so like that, this whole, the whole era of, of, you know, the net leading up to like, you know, the, the net that we're dealing with in this, in like the late, the late nineties, like the, the eve of the millennium is such a weird place to begin with. Yeah. And so all of the anxieties of like adults kind of come forth and we get these like, you know, weird freakouts about what the net is and it manifests in weird ways. And you get lots of artists who are, you know, like boomer artists who are trying to figure out the Internet. And like you end up with places you end up with David Bowie owning an ISP. (laughs) It's a statement, okay? And like and like being in IRC chat rooms and like, you know, making albums like The Outside Album, which is this weird paranoid David Bowie wanted to write a rock opera based on Seven and the art world with Brian Eno, 
You know, like it's just, <laughs> just weird shit starts happening because you get kind of, you know, people that aren't digital natives, mm. you know, looking at the internet as this thing that is like full of dark potential, but also, but it's still potential. And like, you know, that's where you end up with like, you know, you get to 1999 and you get the Kamui drone, like, you know, episode yes. where the internet is full of like, and these are actual people. Like there are absolutely, you know, serial killer cosplaying aficionados that fall in love. And it's it, it like, I think what's great about this chapter too is like, and you really hit the nail on the head there, which is like, it's not, it, it isn't, it, it's the anxiety that existed at that moment in time, which is an anxiety wholly tinged with boredom. Um, you're, you're totally right. Like, and I think like the boredom there is not just like the, the boredom of like, Oh, I'm bored of the internet. Cause like, you know, whatever, like it's all boring now, but it's also the boredom of like just the utter, um, the utter, uh, uh, sense of like superiority. And like, even when you shouldn't feel that way, right? Like our, our, I guess, protagonist in that chapter, or the, the guy we're following that ends up becoming like weird pseudo Kamui um, is initially in the um, initially in the the chat room he's in because he wants to like <laughs> he wants to like learn about Kamui and everyone's like get out of here you idiot like you do not belong here we will kill you and he's just like no, no you won't like I'm I'm a super cool hacker like I, I can get away with anything and like he clearly <laughs> does not know what he's doing initially um, and just watching that sort of develop is like, and, and knowing that that's a real person and knowing like people who are that person was really, I, I don't know. That's not like that. That's not a, a type that's written about very often. The sort of like, um, grossly incompetent internet, uh, braggart, I guess. Yeah, no, it's funny. Cause like, we all know this, right? Guy. Yes. Like we, we have all been on this forum. We've been in the chat rooms. We have like, you know, like god we might even bend this guy ourselves but like you know the dude who storms in and just like you know believe in the net (laughs) i was like hey man like there's even like the friendly guy who's like hey just like don't these people are pretty serious like just like don't do this like it's 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 not gonna end well for you and he's like no like i believe in kabooey like erase the past and it's like are you really doing this like come on um yeah, it's great. Like it, it is it is a perfect little microcosm and the fact that it also ties into you know, I think like one of the things this game does, and I hadn't really thought about it before, but one of the things this game does that a lot of media does not ever really uh, fool around with is it plays with this concept of it plays with this concept of um I don't want to say boomer, but maybe maybe that's right. Like the 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 kind of like um nature of the 1970s and the nature of the uh of the the world leading into the 2000s and how like strangely similar those two can be um and like the way that the kind of like strange like survivalist anxiety of the 1970s 20 people in the 1970s 24 wards uh corresponds with this 90s boredom and paranoia that exist for the the current twenty four wards um, that Kamui sort of uh, transcends as a result. Um, I hadn't really thought of that, but it's absolutely the case because like that's how you get to um, that's how you get to Kamui Drum. That's why Kamui Drum works 
in the same way that the 25th Ward, not the game, but the city under the city works. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what is your, uh, let me ask you this. What is your favorite kind of like, um, for lack of a better word, experimental moment in this game? There's a lot of times where it plays with, um, I don't know, this game plays with a lot of different stuff. Like it's a very, I think playful is the right way to describe it. Um, many times it is, it is playful. It's also like um, upsetting at times, I guess, too. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a challenging game in that way. But like for you, do you have a moment where like there's like something that happens that is um, particularly interesting from like an experimental perspective or like a gameplay perspective that you were like, oh, wow, okay, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, it's it's really funny because like one of I think one of the most interesting things um, and <clears throat> I think one of the things that this game does that's actually really interesting is that when you trigger a cut scene, um, you often don't know you're about to do it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm thinking of in. God, is it is it the is it Decoy Man or is it literally the first one? Is it Lunatics, the one where you go to? Um, no, it's, it's it's in it's in it's in Decoy Man, and you go to the mall. Oh yes, uh, yes, the the Babylon Mall, and <clears throat> they're wandering all around, and it's like you know, like you you end up kind of going back to like the, this the kind of center, you know, entrance way of the mall. And it's kind of like, okay, well, what am I supposed to do here? I'm not getting a contact notification. There's nothing for me to click on. What the fuck? Look down, look up. And the instant you look up, boom, cutscene happens and a body falls from the fucking ceiling. Yeah. And it, it's terrifying. And it's just like, it's it is, and it's like what the shit. I was just like I wasn't expecting like a cutscene to just kick right in, like <laughs> you know, with this this body drop. Um, and I think it, the moments like that are really effective. I think I think um, the I think the moments where they also play with uh, genre a little bit are really effective too. Where like the in in the Sumio chapter, there's the brief part where they where it becomes an anime. Like there's like an anime cutscene, and like. Yes. It yeah. is very, it's like a very intentional cutscene. Like it's not, it's not like, oh, we need to, we need to get some anime into this so the kids will buy it. It like, it's really like, okay, like how let's, let's like, let's mess around with this. Let's do something that we could only do in animation. And it, it it's great. Like it works super well, um, but it comes out of nowhere and it is so jarring. It's a, it's a, the, it's the part I, it's the part I've mentioned before. Like it's the part I remember most from this section, even though it's not the most important part, but it's the, the speak no evil guy, um, essentially hurling himself into a smokestack to kill himself. Um, with 600 billion. Yeah, times. right. He has this, yeah, he has this huge crystal or crystal diamond, <laughs> $6 billion <laughs> crystal would be something. Um, but, uh, yeah, he has this $6 billion, uh, diamond and he just burns it. Like the whole thing gets burned to ash. And so like, it's this moment where you're like, Oh my God, like all of this was for nothing. Like what, what is going on? But it also like you you get to see his face when he does it like he's he looks directly at the camera and like uh -huh. it, it it only could work in an animated sense is same in the same way that like that weird scene where um like you're at the end of a uh, life cut where there's like a strange CGI guy in a chair like it 
doesn't work, but it does somehow. <laughs> like it's like no, I'll I'll, th- I'll watch this, sure. I think one of the interesting things. So there's like one of the things that I love about this is that, and you wouldn't you you will not get this in other games. Like now, like this is just. This just doesn't happen now. Not even really in the indie space. Like we don't see this, but like there is such a kind of um, a mixed palette Mm. in terms of we have the different, you know, we have the character portraits and the character portraits even have different portraits depending like, you know, with with placebo, there's like, you know, Tokyo has got like a different portrait. um, I liked that a lot. That it took me a second. Like when I, when I was watching, I was like, Oh, it's, that's the same guy. Like, okay. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, you've got, you've got like a different portraits you've got, you've got, so you have the various portraits and then you've got the environments and some of the environments are sometimes they're painted in the same style as the character portraits. But a lot of times they're just kind of 3d rooms that have been rendered, you know, like just, they're just there, like, you know, to navigate in and they're kind of the same, the visual novel background, but in a three dimensional space that you can move through right. the way you would like mist, you know? And the, yeah. Like, and the, I feel um, like the, the, that sort of speaks also to the control scheme, which is like, it's kind of aggressively, um, difficult. Like it's a hard, it, it's very hard to use. It fights you. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. The whole time. Yeah, it is. Um, um, and, but then you also, you have like, you know, you have the, we have the animated sequences that are, you know, with like the, 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 the cars driving down. The oh, I road, love those. Of, like, it just like, know. looks, looks like at a cruising USA. It's great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it, it just looks like, like an attract mode on like a racing yeah. game, you know? Um, but then you've got the full motion video sequences that are extremely compressed, um, which is great. But also the fact that they just decided to throw in full motion video sequence and then you have the anime shit. And it's like this whole pastiche that doesn't work. It doesn't work. And yet it does right. work. Um, it is pulling from so much shit. Um, you know, even like, you know, when you get to um, the, 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 the case, um, you know, like, okay, case number zero, lunatics. It's basically like Predator. Yeah, it's just Predator. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a pr- it's a Predator story. It, case number number two, uh, Spectrum. It's a ghost story in an apartment building. Yeah, you know, and then we get like you know, like the parade, which is this weird, you know, the tandem. You know the, the 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 two stories that mirror one another, and like you know we've got the 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 little moment um, with um, uh, fuck Sumio and uh, his partner. Oh, uh, Kusabe. Yeah, Kusabe. Um, in the in this on the stakeout. And we keep coming back to that in this weird grounded moment where we don't really understand what's going on. And there's this like you know uh, Kusabe has this like can you know continuous like debt that keeps I love yeah I love his debt he's like oh can you help me I need 17 million yen oh no it's like it's like what's going on here we don't know but like it it is completely this weird downbeat counterpoint to everything else that's happening in that chapter that's just like slowly accelerating right um and and it's just really you know, and then we finally kind of get the big payoff of what happens at the end of that stakeout and what's been going on the whole time. Um, 
there's just so many interesting parts and like the way they all intersect um, is just, it's very jarring. It's not, they're not smooth intersections at all. This isn't like a very like well-made dovetail jointed uh, narrative experience at all. This is, it is chaotic and fractured and pushed together like the way like, you know, tectonic plates are and it's so cool because of that. It's so rough and like it's aggressive in its roughness. Um, but it's not really like it's not like, you know, punk rock. It's not snarling. No, uh, it's just like, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's not it doesn't fit together so good because shit doesn't fit together so good. It is. Yeah, and in that way, like what? it's a it's a perfect sort of like turn of the millennium piece because it, it is this like it's this acknowledgement of insufficiency for like all the characters to be like yes to be like I don't I'm sorry like this isn't this isn't going to work out like this is going this isn't going to be what you expect um yeah no I agree I think like I think what's really what's interesting thinking about Suda's other work right like especially thinking about um uh, is it Killer is Dead who does the the Travis touchdown things is that is that that thing Killer Seven yeah, 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 yeah okay. it's, it's uh, the... like so like that's the one that like ha- there's been like a million uh, sequels to like that's probably what Suda's best known for at this point, right? Um, and there's a way that that doesn't work as well for me because it is a game, right? Like it is, it is explicitly like a game. It is, you know, there's like there's mechanics and like okay, here's what Travis is going to do now, and you have to do this to use your like beam sword, and oh, and the new Nintendo one is going to be all sorts of like mini games, and like it's going to be like weird with genre and stuff, and. You know, now that I've played this, I'm I'm willing to give Suda more of a chance on that because I mean he certainly did a great job with this. But like having something where it's just a story and you can throw that pastiche in, and it's not like okay, you have to justify this pastiche with a gameplay mechanic, or you have to justify this pastiche with something that will make people feel good gameplay wise, um, or interested gameplay wise, or whatever. Like that that component being taken out of it, just be just saying like tell an interesting story. That frees this game up so much in a way that I think, like, if you made it, like, a detective story and, like, a mechanical one, like, those, I mean, I can almost think of no good actual, like, detective stories in games that have a mechanical element, but, uh, <laughs> but, like, if you did that, right, like, if you were, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this, like, a really, like, hard game about, like, uh, the Silver Case is gonna be super hard to beat, like, it would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't work like it, it would lose all of its charm um, because you wouldn't be experiencing the pastiches as like a, an incidental element of your work. It would it would have to be like, oh, this like this totally screwed me up when I was playing the game or like this was cool or like this was hard. Instead, it's like, no, this is just how the story goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It's funny because it's, it's reminded me of two other things, uh, specifically two detective story, two kind of cyberpunky detective stories from the nineties. Um, and one is the God, was it Access Games? <laughs> the classic A A K K. Access Software, no Access Software. Okay. Um, Mean Streets, which was like the original Tex Murphy adventure. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, that had like this weird, like, okay, first of all, it had bad flight sim traveling sequences. 
because um, you had to control his flying car. Um, and then it had these weird side-scrolling um, gunfight sequences where you were like basically just walking down an alleyway and dudes would pop up from behind trash cans and shoot at you and you'd have to duck, duck down and then like know what like wait for the bullet to go past your head and then pop up and then shoot them it was the weirdest fucking thing but it was really frustrating mm-hmm. as a kid i mean yeah who was just like i like i wanted to play the fucking story just don't don't make me do this and like they were really badly done like these weren't people who knew how to make a side-scrolling shooter like i could do side-scrolling shooters and guess what you didn't do them with a keyboard (laughs) can you imagine for starters that that sounds so awful and like you know you didn't you didn't do your flights in with your fucking keyboard you know like it was just like miserable experience but then there was also there was um rise of the dragon um, I think that was the name of it. It was, which is a dynamics. Uh, yeah, Rise of the Dragon was um, was, was dynamics um, and published by Sierra. Mm. Uh, that was um, pretty racist cyberpunk, um, uh, set in like a dark, you know, a really grim Los Angeles. It ripped off a lot of Blade Runner, um, but it had these like arcade sequences in it because I guess it felt it needed to justify itself. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? And it was just like, if you just, and like, you know, um, the, the, the Tex Murphy series would eventually fucking understand. They're like, no, we don't need to do this arcade shit. It's Um, very funny to think about Tex Murphy doing a, an arcade at this point. Right. That's very, well, it's so funny because like, the first, like, uh, Mean Streets is so very, like, kind of serious and severe about itself. And then you get to Martian Memorandum, and Martian Memorandum gets goofy. And then after Martian Memorandum, it's just completely just bonkers, yeah, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, like, it. that's, like, that's a... I, I remember playing Tex Murphy 4 on stream during like one of the one of the uh 24 hour, i think it was during the 24 hour stream and it was like the goofiest game in the world it was so weird um and like i can't i can't imagine it not being that you know like that's that's kind of the that's the point that's tech yeah, Murphy. <laughs> yeah um, i but i think it's like i think it's cool to see something like the silver case and see it see it like a little bit more i guess i guess like a lame way of saying this would be to say critically re-examined because there's like there's a way that it just um, I don't know it it probably at a certain point was not gonna it was gonna be DOA if it hit the states right like this is not a game that particularly fit Western approaches to games when it was when it came out people weren't like really people and you know I like we're we're sort of saying like you don't have to justify that you don't have to just, but like probably people would say like there's not a lot of gameplay in this it's more like a book like. Go pick up the the latest Philip K. Dick instead, um, and you know when Silvercase and Mean Streets and um, uh, Rise of the I want to say Rise of the Dragon, which is the that's that Yakuza game, so it's probably not that. Maybe it is. That's pretty common, I guess. Um, in any case, like those games are fascinating to me. Like they sound amazing because they're coming out in this space where where like you know you have. Philip Dick writing like disappearing poetry and that's like, ooh, that's cyber tech that's cyber lit. And like, you know, like, ooh, like uh, you know, someone's gonna someone's gonna do something really crazy with the web and that's gonna be cyber lit. 
Um, and like, it's just, it's, it's cool to see something like the silver case because it exists within this culture of visual, uh, novels that kind of understands like, no, like those, those are all interesting, but like, there's like real cyber lit just like within this space too. Like we're doing, we're doing cyber literature. There's no real difference here. We can just tell a story. It's just going to have visual elements that are going to be really engrossing and not just that, but like part of the story too. Um, I guess that's like part of what's so weird about saying that um, visual novels aren't games in any sense, right? Where like they got to be games somehow because like they're not just stories. Um, they're doing more than that. No, it, and it's weird, especially because like, you know, one of the things about the silver case that's interesting is like, you know, um, when you play a visual novel, typically, you know, you're expecting to go through it you know, a couple of times, like the average visual novel, like you go through oh, it a couple yeah. of times because you get different endings because you're making different, you know, you're, you're making these like sometimes very subtle choices along the way, but you're still making choices along the way that are going to impact the outcome. Well, the lovely game, the lovely um, game you know, that is a, it's a, it's a, it's parodic. Like it, it's, it's teasing. It's gen- it's teasing from a place of like extreme love because you can only, you can only really get this game, uh, CC every like, article from Kotaku and elsewhere that said, like, this is wacky. Um, but I'm thinking of a Hattiful Boyfriend, uh, which I don't know if you've played Hattiful Boyfriend or not, uh, the, the pigeon dating sim. Um, it's really funny because I, I got that, um, and I never played it because my partner, Sarah, um, they, like, just platinumed the shit. <laughs> it's so good. It's... <laughs> And, and like, like, so I kind of, I, you know, watched over their shoulder as they played. It, it's like, um, but it's only a game you can really enjoy if you know what visual novels are. Like, if you know what visual novels are, it works so well. All the tropes. It's like, a, it's a wonderful little send up. It is, it is so smart and so fun. But like the, the thing with that is like, it, it absolutely plays with the trope of multiple endings. You have to beat that game. Like, I think like eight times, nine times to get the, the real ending. And that is, mm-hmm. and, and as you were saying, that is not the case with Silver Case. Like, you beat it once. Yeah, and it was funny because I kept, when I first played it, I was just like, oh, God, there's got to be, like, at least, like, 10 or 7, like, you know, like, I can think of so many different ways to have bad end for this. And, like, there's no bad end. Uh, yeah, every, everything's good <laughs> and bad end. <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. And, like, the, um, the, 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 the history of the game after it is also so weird, like, Flower, Sun, and Rain being that strange DS um, well, yeah, the Strange DS game. I mean, it is a very different experience. And then 25th Ward initially, was that initially supposed to be like a phone game? It was a mobile yeah. game. And like, that's the thing. It wasn't supposed to be. It was just a mobile game. That's that wild. was a mobile sequel. And then um, Suda decided, because it was originally a mobile game, to completely just redo it. Okay. Um, which is kind of a bummer because I kind of wish I could like find the mobile game you know it's like it's it's but we can't I feel this it's way about gone. so many things like just like lost artifacts within within gaming i think they're fascinating yeah. i'm glad they exist because they interest me so much but i'm also sad they exist it's like i mean it's a shame i can't ever play 14-1 right like there's something so interesting about playing 14-1 i wish i could see it i know i could look up a youtube or something but like i mean ultimately who cares that's not really the point and same with the mobile game of uh, 25th Ward. But yeah, I mean, like, even even the sequels are not sequels in the sense that we're used to, where they're like, okay, we're going to repeat the success we had with the first one and then do this again. Like, you don't actually get another Silver Case ever. You get different games. Um, 
And even yeah. that's kind of remarkable. Like that's that doesn't happen. Like you don't typically get different games if some if a if a game is successful, you you get the same game again. <laughs> like this is the Assassin's Creed world we live in. Yeah. One thing I did want to go back to with the silver oh, case, please, yeah. Though, I was thinking about like I'm sorry. Um, I hope I'm not railroading you. I'm just like super excited. No, and I'm because I'm thinking because I'm thinking about it in terms of like the gameplay and mm. like how you interact with the text. And one of the things that's really interesting, and like you know, you really get it. Uh, I think it's most prominent in the episode with at the at the typhoon apartment. Okay. Where you are going up and down those fucking staircases. There's no elevator. <laughs> there's no, there's no like you hit the staircases and then it takes you out. And like it almost teases you because it shows you, it pulls out and gives you that kind of cutaway side view of the apartment complex. And it itself kind of highlights here's floor one, here's floor two, here's floor three. Here's floor four. Here's floor five. And it shows you each one of those levels and it highlights it. it, it it's, it's like almost teasing you with like a stage select kind of style screen where it's like, oh, if I just walk to the staircase and I, I should be able, and it pops up that screen, I should be able to just select, you know, yep. the fourth floor and it'll just walk up. Nope. There. No, you go to the first floor, you go to the second floor and then you have to walk to the side and turn and face the next staircase and then you walk up that one and you're on the third floor and then you do that to the fourth floor and you do the same thing to the, third, the fifth floor and you have to go up and down those stairs so many fucking times in that episode Absolutely. and then you have to kind of go to the side and you have to like knock on a door and it's like oh okay i have to go all the way back down and then i have to go all the way back up and now i have to go to the third floor and then i have to go to the fifth floor and then i have to go down to the second floor and it really makes you like there's a weird tedium to it. And they get almost like, it's like, it's having fun wasting your time Yeah, that I, one, I, I find it infuriating and I feel that that's intentional. I, I would um, say yes. I, I think, I think like it has to, like, it has to be like, it has, it has to know that they are annoying. Well, you. that whole level is all about, um, I mean, that whole case it. is about annoying you because like, it's clear. Yeah. The kid, the kid, like you, I mean, it's, it, you don't, you don't necessarily, and like I'll I'll go back with uh, to to uh, Sean McTiernan's famous uh, declaration that it doesn't matter if you can like guessing the end of the mystery is not the point of mysteries, um, which is is a simple thing to say, but also a lot of people don't seem to get like it's not about guessing. It's like <laughs> deduction deduction yeah. is about pleasure. It's not about guessing. Um, maybe that's more controversial than it sounds. I don't know, but you know the the it's. I don't know how easy it is to guess like the actual ending of that, of that case, but like guessing that the kid you're talking to does not know what's going on. And his friend is dead pretty straightforward. And you just have to like, you just have to bear, you have to bear up and like deal with it. You have to be like, all right, uh, I guess we have to interrogate the rest of these people about where this kid is. Like, have you seen this kid's friend? Like you feel like looking at them and be like, I know he's dead. Just like give me some clues to where the body is or something. I got to break it to this kid. Um, like it, it also reminds me of like the, um, the driving sequences when it's just the map where like, it's this, it's this hyper stylized, like line drawing of a map and it just gets so boring to watch. It's like so intensely <laughs> dull. You're like, right. We're going back to Typhoon because so the only places Tokyo goes are Typhoon and the police station, like, and the bar. 
Those are the only three places. Why are you showing me this? Why are you doing this to me? Oh, so yeah. So and that's the thing. It's like, well, that, that that's what happens. Is you get so bored watching that that eventually you pull out like a fucking cocktail napkin and you start drawing out those maps. Yeah. And you're like, how does this fit together? You're like, okay, so this is Circle Road. Circle Road must be a circle. So if I bend this and like you start, then you end up, you end up constructing the map of the 24. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's super easy. And like, honestly, like, I think it's one of the most like memorable maps I've ever seen because of that. Like it, it sticks mm-hmm. with you like so much where it's just like, oh yeah, no, I, I know, I know basically the way to get to the police station from uh, typhoon. That's fine. Just like, I'll you hop in, I'll get you there. Like it's, it, it is, it is this, like, it's this tedium that on some level is meant to, I don't know. Like it's not, it's not edifying. It does. It, it's not that pretentious. It knows it's boring. Like it intentionally yeah. like draws it out. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's doing this. Like it's including this because it feels like it has to, to become a video. Game. Right. No, I don't get that sense at all. If anything, the stuff in this is like very much like I, I saw someone talk. I, 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 I'm truly not just like saving the, saving their uh, identity. Because uh, I think this is a bad take. It's not actually a bad take. It's like totally reasonable in a lot of ways. Um, but like someone I saw online was like, "Oh yeah, you know, like I would love to play that game, but like I cannot get past the controls. It feels horrible for me to play. Like I can't do it." And like, while I think you should absolutely get past the controls to play this game, there's a way that the controls like do not want you to get past them. <laughs> like, there's a way that the controls are perfectly happy with you suffering. Um, and I, I, I think, like, you, you can't really play this game without acknowledging that, like, there is a level at which it is okay with seeing you not enjoy it. Um, and whatever that might mean for the game itself, I don't know. But it's, like, it's a fascinating thing to, to watch. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, you know, you've got, like, the kind of the, um, the implement tab. Yeah, which that, never like, comes up, basically. <laughs> You use it like twice, <coughs> it's, and, and like it's you get. You would think like you're just like, oh, I'm gonna always have a gun, and I'm gonna have to implement gun. I know it, and you never <laughs> like, implement gun is not something that's gonna come up in your life, like when you're playing the silver case. No. And it's 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 like it's so funny because it it is there the entire time, just be like I'm the implement tab. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. <laughs> you're never gonna use me, but I'm here. I love the implement and tab. It's just like. I, 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 so do I. And like, and it's so weird because like you, you know, you, you like, you see that little eye and you're like, oh, it's interact. And it's like, no, it's implement. It's like, oh, okay. That's interesting. We'll, we'll try and implement this door. No. Okay. Well, I guess I'll connect with this. Door. <laughs> right. And like, and like even, even the connect parts where it's like, oh, there's a bunch of like your colleagues in this scene. Do you want to talk to them? And you're just like, yeah, okay. I'll talk to Kusabi. And Kusabi just says like, Quit screwing around, big dick. Like, we got to get this case on the road. You're like, oh, okay. I guess that wasn't what I was supposed to do. <laughs> you just talk to everyone. It's like, oh, Hachisuka just is, like, doing some sort of psychosexual, like, game with me. That's that's something. Like, oh, the guy who looks like Ringo Starr is hanging out. Like, this, this is fine. Like, it's all good. But, like, I didn't have to talk to them. They just called me big dick and explained that this is a gross situation with bodies. Um, and, and I love, no, no, I was just saying, and it's charming. Like, honestly, because the game knows what it is and knows what it's doing, it turns from being irritating to charming. It's like, oh, okay. So this is what you're doing. This is how you're, this is how you're playing with me. This is all right. Cool. 
No, I love the um, the part where you go and investigate the shelters with Sumio. Mm. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take the back row. You take the front row. And I was just kind of going, I mean, I went to box when I went to shelter number one. I went to shelter number two, well, shelter number three. And then I was just like, okay, well, I did that. I guess I go to shelter number four now. And I click on go to shelter number four. And Sumi was just like, what the fuck are you doing here? What's wrong with you? I told you the front row. Look at the front row. Jesus Christ. Why are you here? What the fuck? And I'm like, okay, I'll go back to the front row. And like, I go to like click on something and like just moving the tab. He's just like, why are you still here? What's wrong with you? Why can't you follow direction? The game is so and hard so on then, your character in those first levels. It is so hard on your character. It is so funny. Because, like, well, like the whole funny thing is, it's like, you know, for, like, the first two episodes, like, you know, one, you're, like, the new guy on, like, the, uh, like, you know, the, the, the SWAT team. And everyone dies except for you. And it's, like, everyone's kind of heavily implied everyone died because, like, it's your fault. Yeah. Um, you know, like you're the guy who survived when everyone else gets killed, um, which like I couldn't deal with the fact I first played this game. I was like, why are my squad mates Vinny Caravella and Dan Riker? It was so funny. I love those. I love like the the character portraits for Sakamoto and um, oh, the other guy. I only remember um, Sakamoto's name. He's the guy with the mustache. Like Sak- right? Sakamoto's one. Yeah, yeah, Sakamoto and and Natsume. Oh, you're right. It's Natsume. And then, yeah, yeah. And like, so it's like, funny. What are these character portraits? They rock so like, much. Because it, it. I'm like, why are Vinny Caravelle and Dan Riker in my special forces unit? Why not? They're, they're always there to. They're they're there to. Yeah, help. right. Um, it is so funny. Yeah, I I loved I loved looking at those two because it's like. Okay, if we stuck with this SWAT team, this is a very different game. <laughs> like just because of the character portraits, this is a deeply. Oh yeah, no, and it's so funny because like you like you you really think like they really set up Republic as like it's this thing that's gonna stick with you for the whole game, yeah. and then no, <laughs> no, no, never comes up no, again. Yeah, no, I I remember that because um, I, I I started this game once and like just played the intro and like got distracted by something and so I had to start it up again, and like. Truly, I was like, okay, well, I should replay that intro mission because I'm not going to know anything that goes on after. <laughs> like, truly, okay, like, I, I get why I did that. The, you know, good good thinking uh, in some ways. In, in terms of execution, not true. <laughs> you could totally skip that first mission as long as you get the idea that all of your colleagues have died. Um, at that point, you know, you, you basically unlocked exactly what that has to tell you. And that's not a that's not a, a slight on the game because the game really sets you up to think like oh this like you said like Republic's gonna be important and like this building is gonna haunt you this will probably be where like the last like you know boss fight or whatever takes place and like you know these squad mates like they, they seem kind of like they have a lot of personality um, you know there's uh, Kusabe's here and he's kind of wild but maybe he'll sort of be like a second a second uh fiddle to your boss who's that bald man who seems kind of cool and then they all disappear it's like nope yeah sorry i really do love that first mission when you're in the forest and um you're watching you're 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 guided by the radar and you kind of get that like you know the metal gear solid soliton radar in the corner and it's like showing you the arrows of like you know, you got the little yellow X's of where your squad mates are. And then you're the little green X and like, it's like, no blue arrows this way. And then you're just kind of walking through this dark forest 
backdrop sequence and like watching these little dots and like it makes it seem like it's so important like it's going to be this very involved complex maze type deal and if you mess it up you'll get like uh, that's like, the that's the best instance of bad ending i can think of where it's like if i right, mess this up yeah it's bad like ending. i can't yeah and no you can't <laughs> succeed yeah you can't you can't catch kamui and as we find out yeah it's, it's good no, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say, and like we find out basically like you can't catch Kamui because that's the point of Kamui. Like it's not even like it goes back into that that thing I was talking about in that episode where it's like the the whole ending of this is not meant to the, like clarity isn't the point of of this game. I mean, in some senses it is. It, it, it reveals certain things, but like in other senses, absolutely not. Like <laughs> the, the, the whole point of the game is like, yeah, it's just it's just going to get more opaque. That's I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's what that's what you're that's what you're dealing with here. It's like you're not going to get any more clarity. You're not going to it's not like um, not like Kamui's going to like pop out of the corner and say, like, you caught me. I'll never kill the mayor of whatever again. Like, it's it's not that kind of game. <laughs> um, and like the the beginning sort of leads you to believe it might be that kind of game, which is funny and and like mean. But you know, it's 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 nice that it gives you that feeling and then immediately takes it away from you in a certain way. Like it it, it instantly is sort yeah. of like let's disabuse you of this. Uh, you're not you're not here to you're not here to actually catch Kamui. You didn't catch Kamui this time. You're not catching Kamui in this next case. Um, and by the third case, we're gonna like lay down real clearly that Kamui is sort of a state of mind. Um, and by that point, like it's become a different game. So like I yeah I think like. I'll 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 leave it there, but like because I've said that same thing a number of times, but I think like the way that it plays around with the concept of like um I don't know like success like like criminal criminal prosecution and and what that what it would mean to have a successful criminal prosecution quote unquote like it it's so much better than any sort of like uh, attempt to be like to do like woke. Uh, you know, we're going to make a triple A game and it's going to be like good for our investors, but also make our politics look good thinking that I've, that I've ever seen. Like just because like the police are just like, yeah, I guess truth doesn't actually matter. Like all these, what we've learned from these cases is that truth is not important at all. Um, <laughs> and it's such a, it's such a good conclusion. <laughs> I love it so much. Yeah. God, this game is good. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait to play the 25th Ward. Um, I know it won't be as good. I, I, I don't think it's going to be as good. This is, you know, it's a sequel. It's fine. This is, this yeah, is its, it's own thing. Yeah, it's been a minute thing. since, I, since I've, I've played it. But, like, yeah, it is, it is its own thing. And also, like, it's interesting because it comes after the millennium. Mm-hmm. Right. And, but it has to fit into the same kind of pocket. Like, you know, like, the interesting thing about, you know, um, like, thinking about stuff that was created in the 90s. Um, that has continued on um, is that it has to account for the weird amounts of like kind of rapid changes that happened in those periods of time, you know, thinking about how, you know, we brought back the X files in an era where cell phones and Google exist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The X and like, the X files are absolutely more of a case of you can't do this with cell phones than any um, horror movie. 
like that the, that's always that's always late and i mean in some cases it's true but like that's always laid out as the thing with horror movies like well if you have cell phones this whole this whole genre falls apart way more for the x-files <laughs> like let's be mm-hmm. clear well, it's like, you know, the amount of things that like can just be solved with email and Google and where like, you know, even like the one X-Files movie has like Scully like Googling. <laughs> she's like a medical doctor and she's like Googling something. I don't remember what it was, but like, <laughs> it's like a rare disease and she's just like Googles it. It's just like Scully's Googling what now we know that this friend, this, this, this franchise needs to be just be dead. I think like um, I th- it, it doesn't work. It, it's the, it's this, it's this problem of like. Because when you have when you have the the sort of um, internet as we see it in the Silver Case and in um, in, tw- in not in Twin Peaks in um, the X Files, like it it's it's not a it's not a finished product, right? Like, and it not being a finished product is important because that means that the the sort of unreality that exists outside of the internet is also the unreality that exists within the internet. Like that goes back to the, the Kabuki drum bit where like you'd think, Oh, okay, here's this wealth of information that we can use to figure out this killer. And ultimately it just, it just muddies the waters. Same, same with Tokyo, right? Like his, his source is, is it his, uh, ex-girlfriend's husband? No. Is it the bat? No, like it's, it's no one. It's, it's everyone. It's, it's a confusing problem. Like the, right. And that's, that's yeah. a- it's exactly what I was thinking about. Like when I was thinking about like, what like becoming bored with the internet is that by the time, you know, by like the, the, the late nineties, the internet had started to become homogenized mm-hmm. and it started to become structured and, and, you know, easily categorized and referenced. And it lost that capacity or it started to lose that capacity to muddy the waters of like your own existence. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and like, it, and yeah, so, go ahead. Go, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I think like, I think, you know, for, for all we talk, and I mean, like, it's, it's good that people have the internet such as it is to help them, you know, figure out their identities. And, and like, there's, there's a number of good things that the internet still does. I don't want to, I'm not going to be like the kind of person who's just like, oh, it's only the hell site anymore. I miss my old internet. Like the internet's a big deal for a lot of people and, and it's good that it's out there. It is it's also true that like the way that, you know, you could find something that would absolutely just like wreck you instantly and like it could it you know, it was not always edifying and more often than not it was a problem. Um is like is so much it's so much more pronounced in the older internet. Um, Mm -hmm. and I I think that's important. I mean, I think that like, that's part of this game. Like Kamui drum, part of Kamui drum is this fear that you're going to see something on the internet. That's instantly going to turn you into a different person. I think like the, the example I have was the site called hell.com and, uh, hell.com was the site I found just by typing in hell.com because I thought that was funny. Um, (laughs) and it was the site that just asked for an email address and I gave it and said like, we'll see if you get into hell.com and it freaked me out. Cause it's like, what? I just like, is this the real hell? Like, what? What's going on here? And it's like, you know, is it that? Is it some sort of creepy thing? Is it like a secret society? And they waited like months, and then they sent it back, and like, looks like you got into hell. And it was just like a bulletin board or something. But like the that sense of danger, right? That sense of like, what did I just flip the switch? That's going to be a real problem for me in my life is not particularly there in the internet anymore. It's a much more navigatable place. And it turned out that like, you know, the looming threat all along was just 
capitalism. <laughs> and like, you know, commercialization was the real problem. And it's really funny because like, you know, you're thinking about like the Kimuidrum and like the, the old forms and things like that. And now it's like, oh, people are like, oh, the fucking hell site, blah, 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 blah. We get off Facebook and the internet and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. It's all bad. And it's like, what's bad about it isn't so much that, you know, people have bad opinions on it. People have always had bad fucking opinions. Oh, yeah. It's just that that opinion you realize has been aggregated and there are a hundred people that you know specifically that have that opinion and you're going to see that today. Yep. And not only that, but people have realized how to generate not only the opinion, right? Like it's not just, it's not just, oh, like X, Y, Z, uh, you know, cultural commenter has made like a dumb point again. It's also like, oh, like these white women are making like, gross sandwiches on TV because they know you'll click their TikToks. And it's like, ah, man, like even the stuff I like, I find outrageous because I find it outrageous is like a a con. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's just like that. And it's like, yes, that's how it goes. (laughs) Like it's a con. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, 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 I find that like, you know, the kind of insincerity that exists for the Kamui drum protagonist um, is important. Uh, but it's it's also like it's also an insinc- insincerity that like can only be read as sincerity at this point, I guess. Like being like being super yeah. super sure of yourself and like oh I'm I'm a super tough guy. You're just being sincere with that. Insincerity is trying to make money off of it or trying to like trick someone or something like that. He's full of shit, but he's sincerely full of shit. And like that is that's something that is almost illegible in in a contemporary internet space. Yeah, no, it's 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 funny because like it reminds me so much of um, uh, my 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 dream game is uh, the a a a a game version of the Shadowland BBS from Shadowruns Splatbooks. Oh, cool! Uh, And I don't know if you're familiar with it, but like. Um, throughout the kind of original, and I guess it's in, it's in the later uh, ones too. The, there was a bulletin board service called Shadowland that was like the big hacker. Um, like it was like it's honestly it's the something awful of Shadowrun's world. <laughs> okay. And and like it's just it's like it's just this bulletin board service where all these people got together and shit talked and like shared information and also just bullshit. Um, and so, like, it had this, you would get bits and pieces of forum conversations commenting on the actual, you know, game relevant, you know, text that you just read in the book. So, like, you'd read a whole section on how hand grenades mechanically function in the world of, you know, Shadowrun by the game rules. And then underneath that, there'd be like a forum conversation about the one time this dude blew his hand off. Like, in like a taco bell. Yeah. Like it's just like it, like just like the dumbest shit. Like um I mean that's the best part of Shadowrun, right? Like, where it's like and it it sort of goes back to Silvercase where like the stuff that works is like the the stuff that feels human. It's the stuff that like exists in an actual world space that you can be like, "Oh yeah, I buy this." Like I this this exists for me. This could this could be real. Um like like Sumio and Kusabe talking in the car. Like the same thing with the with the BBS. You're just like, "Oh yeah, like that would be absolutely something like a bunch of like tryhard hackers would have. Yeah, like it would be like mm-hmm. the legit ones and also the ones that are total posers and they'd be there and they'd just be 
swapping stories about funny stuff they saw, and every so often it would be something serious. And like, yeah, it's it's just like something awful, and that's makes sense. Like, why 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 not? Right? Like that that would exist in the future too. It's almost like the mundanity of it. Like that's what that's what's missing for me in games like. Um, and I say this even having not played it. So like you know I'm, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a of a, like know nothing about this. But like I assume it's true. It's uh, it's like the same thing that bothers me about games like um, like Cyberpunk, which is like the, none of like the embarrassing stuff is in there. None of like the everyday stuff is in there. It's all just like you get to be a cool merc with like a chip on your shoulder. It's like all right, I guess like it's fine. What about, like, is there any scene where I'm just trying to, like, navigate, like, interpersonal relationships? Like, does that exist in this game? Is there, is there any instance where, like, I have to, like, even in Neuromancer, right? Like, half of the interesting part of that book is Case trying to, like, manage his relationships with all the people he's met. Um, and that just, like, falls out. Like, it, it, it feels like there's, a, there's an, uh, a, a vision of the future that does not involve people anymore. Um, Mm-hmm. And that that's just unappealing. It's unattractive. It's not it's not interesting. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've been thinking about it, like I'm like even thinking about it, like there's even like it's not even just people, but like there's even like a lack of interest in like the self mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. a meaningful way. Yeah. You know, like um, one of the things about like you know neuromancer. One of my favorite kind of moments is when case is you know they put they gave him the new pancreas and the new liver and shit like that um so he can't get high oh right yeah 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 and and so they end up going to like what is it the tessier ashpool like space you know uh like pleasure dome basically <laughs> the the like four seasons in in space and Case's whole deal is like, I bet I can get drugs here that will really fuck me up and like trying to score. (laughs) And it's just this like, you know, very like kind of just like all he can think about is finding a way to bypass his bio, his like cyborg liver and score. And he does. Right. Right. And and, and like Molly's like, I don't know what the fuck you took, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. I like that bit too, because it's like the same you know, there's a there's a, a sense of like how there's a sense of like the way that people would evolve would be just like oh they'll become like hyper efficient because that's that's what's scariest about capitalism, and instead it's like no it's it's not I mean yeah that's scary about capitalism but like what people will become is that they'll just become like pretty um, I don't know they'll just be like more petty. Like the, the that like that reaction by case is the reaction we'd all have if someone told us we couldn't do something and we had unlimited yeah. means to prove that we could. Like I can't fly. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm buying I'm buying all of the various things that'll allow me to do that. Like cuz we live in cyborg world. Like I'm going to definitely fly. Like do I have a reason to do that? No. Like, I don't I don't need to and I I shouldn't yeah. even want to, but you told me no, so I'm going to do it. And like that I yeah. I think No, no, I was I was done. One of the things I was thinking about that is like it speaks to um, how little we really appreciate that things are truly banal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like case scoring is the boringest fucking thing. It's just like, okay, yeah, the, 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 the drug addict is going to go and get is going to go and try and find drugs. Of course. Duh. Like, 
Yeah, why he's not? been given unlimited access to funds in like you know a a, a a space where decadent rich people are basically you know doing whatever the fuck they want in space. Of course, he's going to go and try and get drugs. Um, why are we spending ten pages on this? It doesn't even fucking matter. You know, it's not going to nothing else is going to happen. Nothing is going to come out about this. This is just we need to just establish the case is just a drug addict. Yeah. Um, because that's what he's going to do, you know, in this, this period of downtime. And I think like, um, I, and like, the other good thing about that is saying like, why is this happening? It's like, well, cause it did like, it, this is just what's happening in this part of the book. Like it's, this is, this is the, you know, we're, we're representing this part of like the, the, the down, I guess like that, that's, that's a little bit too, too cute. Like it's that the downtime matters too, right? Like it's like, this right. is also a representation of this character and the plot of the book. Like it, it, you can't, you can't have neuromancer without this part of like scoring. Like you, you need to watch case. Score. Right. And that's, the th- and that's the thing is like, you know, like future is, yeah, you know, yeah. It's the, the thrilling heist and the gun battles and, you know, the, the sex and the, the cons- consumption and all that. But also it's, just like an old guy doing like, you know, like Coke. Yeah. And just being like, I just did a bunch of Coke because I, I, that's what I do. Um, it is, you know, it's boring. Like it's, you know, I think about like uh, a lot of things that gets missed. Um, but I think, um, I actually think the silver case does this really well is that politics and political, political villainy is so frequently, you know, like we have to have this like overly arch, like hyper villainous, like just, just fascist yeah. when really it's boring and it's petty yeah. and it's like inconsequentially stupid. I loved that. It, yeah. And the silver like, case is amazing with that. Cause all of the, all of the factions that are competing to make the silver the, case, Ultimately, it just ends up being like, yeah, like no one, no one really was like super interested in this. They just wanted to make sure the other factions didn't do it. Uh huh. Like, oh. And they're all fighting over just like like city re- renovation funds. Yes. Basically, it's just like what? Like there's like the one pot of like you know earmarked for city renovation like fundage, and like that's what they're all fighting over. And it's like what? Really? Yeah, Hachis- Go do something else. Hachisuka is basically like cannibalizing. We find out he's like cannibalizing his entire family to stay alive forever. And for what? To be mayor of the 24 ward? It's like, it's so dumb. But it's exactly right, too. Like, that's exactly, that's that's Stephen Breyer saying like, I don't think I will retire. I love having power. Like, it's, it's, it's banal and boring and like embarrassing. And that's just what it is. Yeah. I also think like, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you go. Like, I think, I think the, the other thing about the silver case is like this sense of politics and, and Neuromancer does this incredibly well. I think like the bits with like winter mute and stuff like that are, are kind of a perfect example of this, but like silver case is, is like when it, when it describes like the, the way that the 25 wards work, they're like, yeah. Or the 25th ward works. They're like, yeah, like, the one thing we really needed was this one guy who's like a genius and he's like a genius programmer and he's like super good at it. And like, he can, he can program anything. And like, it's all just like, he's super smart. And, and it's like, but the whole thing's a giant game to him. He doesn't care about anyone. Like just like uh, all these people's lives are just like a funny little game to him. And he's really talented. So we can't stop him. And it's like that sort of like, you know, thinking about the childishness of that and being like, yeah, okay, that's, 
that's like half the politicians I've ever seen in my lifetime are just like children um, who are just like very, very yeah. committed to like continuing to play the game they've been allowed to play. Um, which again is why that like that like gross CGI of like the, the extremely bad CGI of the guy like turning around in the chair when you finally meet the architect is so much better than like a good <laughs> reveal because it's like, yeah, the person behind the curtain is like extremely like, you know, there was no reason to see them. Um, no, and I, th- I, th- you're right. Like, the, the, I think about like the more thing. Um, I really love all the reveals in this game because all of the reveals are, like, just so pedestrian. Yes, and like disappointing. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you when you when you when you when like you know you, you get to Ayame's apartment and like you know she's like and like the, the you know. Uh, Subi was like, I can smell Kamui's here. Like he's here. He's in the closet, and like it's just like, why are we? We're like being like very like, just plotting and taking our time about Kamui being in the fucking closet when he's like supposedly going around harpoon gunning everyone, <laughs> and and then it's like you open the closet and he's just like shabarried up with a ball gag, and then Ayami is like, yeah, so I've been killing everyone. <laughs> it's, it's been my deal. Uh, yeah, and it's just like you know, and even and it's just like wait, what? And even that reveal where where it's like, so you've been doing all the murders, and I am. He's like, well, no, not all of them. I've been doing the recent ones. And it's like, well, so there wasn't a reveal. Like it's it's great. Like they every time they every time this game can, it undercuts himself. And I mean that ultimately is the best. Again, like the best critique. So like I I admit it all the time and I'll admit it again I am I am like a diehard for for procedurals they just make me feel, they like trigger every comfort zone in my brain and like I will just watch every single one I have watched essentially every single one and like there's like they're they're boring and like yeah I guess like especially American ones are pretty pro cop um, you know the British ones are too but they're like most of them are just like quietly pro cop because they're just like they're not all that interesting, so they, they can't think about a good way to be pro-cop. It's just like, you know, they're, they're still caught up in the private eye, like Agatha Christie-style stuff. Um, but, like, watching something, like playing something like The Silver Case is a real good way to see how the procedural can be, like, messed with to be actually kind of interesting and, like, have something interesting to say about law enforcement and, like, criminality and deduction and, and all. Like, it is, it's a it's a story about how, like, you can do every single deductive thing right, and it's all just like the most disappointing garbage. It's not even like the the critique that you see in in other like interesting media like Homicide, where it's like half of it's just um, paperwork, or like half of it's really boring, or half of it's like you know this this like um, glorified office job. So like when they get out on the streets, police want to like act like Rambo because like they get to get off on their power fantasies then instead of filling out forms like the this is this is even worse than that in a certain way where it's like yeah like we solved all these huge problems like the, we 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 caught the serial killer in the 24 wards it's just like these two people and they're not interesting like that's so great like that's such a good way to talk mm-hmm. about truth and like expectations and stuff it's perfect well, it's, I like, I love how even the game even calls attention to that. Like, um, with um, oh god, is it Kusabi and Chizuru who like have the like f- the, the argument where, um, like everyone basically is making fun of Chizuru for for being a profiler. Yeah. 
And they're like, what good is that? What good is developing a criminal profile? Like <laughs> your whole investigative method is stupid and it doesn't work and it doesn't matter. So mean and to Jesus. all this did. <laughs> Like just doing all of your your dumb deductive inference crap. Like we're just gonna go knock on some doors and see if we find the guy. I love like the the game makes such a show of doing the like, you know which tech which like which techniques work. Like this is you know we're gonna figure it out. Like this squad has somewhat old fashioned methods and somewhat new fat. And like every time it's just the same investigation. Like it it and like again like knowingly the same investigation like every single like blowhard sort of thing that happens in the game like every consequence or like big risk done by these police departments is like Suda undercuts every single one by saying like and you know it didn't work and solved itself anyway um yeah and it's like it's it's fantastic that way it's such a good like again like i think it's i think i like it best because like yeah sure it's a, it is a critique of the police and it should be but, like, it's also a critique of, like, ontology <laughs> and, like, and deduction. And, like, <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that it's there. And he's just like, yeah, it doesn't, like, don't try and find things out. You're not going to be happy. <laughs> like, it's just, it's going to be a mess. Like, look at Tokyo. He's not happy. He's much worse off. Uh, good thing he's going to a, uh, good thing he's going to a cool resort. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. But is it a good thing? <laughs> well, we're going to find out. <laughs> Next time. Um, I'm really excited for you to play Flower, Sun, and Rain and the 25th Ward. Um, I, I look forward to... I'm, I'm excited, too. Uh, your mini pods about those. I'm, I'm excited, too. I am... I am uh, Flower, Sun, and Rain is very weird so far. I, I, I love it because it's so weird. But, like, boy, what a, what a strange, strange game. Um, like, being able to, like, walk around and stuff and, like, having, like, a little, like, uh, key code like uh, password cracking thing in my nope. pocket. Very weird. It's really funny. Cause it's the opposite of playing persona three and then playing persona three portable. <laughs> Explain that a little bit. I haven't played persona well, three portal, portable. Well, persona three portable is a visual novel. Oh, like Oh, okay. You, you, yeah, you, 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 um, you don't walk around in that one on the Vita. Um, and, it becomes a very like there's a very different interesting approach to like what it feels like when you are only literally walking around once you get into the dungeon <laughs> i bet that um, um that's very interesting yeah it's neat um i actually like, like really love persona 3 portable for that reason like alone just because you have the you know you go to um like you know you're in your dorm and it's just here's a picture of a dorm mm. and like you can see who's there and then you just like tap on their name. Well, it's why, then you talk. It's to why them. SMT four is so good. Like it, 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 yeah. it feels great to play because it's like, Oh, like let's go to the commissary in our weird night school. And it's like, now we're at the commissary. Who would you like to talk to? Which of these two JPEGs? It's like, this feels so good to me. Like, please, mm -hmm. please take away the complexity of, of navigating the space. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it is it is the opposite because all of a sudden in, in Flower, Sun, and Rain you do have a lot more. It, it feels like it feels like Suda's. Um, I don't know if it came out before or after, so I don't know if it's a, a presaging or commentary on, but it feels like Suda's version, one way or the other, of um, Deadly Premonition. Like it, it, playing it, I was like, this is this feels a lot like Deadly Premonition. 
um, in in terms of like the catchphrases, yeah. the driving, the sort of like exaggerated comparison to uh, Dale Cooper. Um, but it's it's different. It's clearly going to be a lot different. Like it's not the same game. So I'm excited. I'm I'm loving it so far. Yay. Well, Dia, it is late. I'm what? sure we're both tired. Um, yeah, I think I was gonna say I think that's an episode. I think, it, I think we, we did it. I think it. we did it. I want to know, and everyone wants to know where people can find you. You are the head writer at Forbes uh, Gaming. Um, oh, geez, sorry, I was reading the wrong book. Oh my god. Uh, why don't you do it? I, I clearly don't know. Uh, you can find me at Dia Lacina, D-I-A-L-A-C-I-N-A on Twitter. And from there, you can find all the other shit I do on like YouTube and my Patreon, all that. It's all there. Just go to Twitter. That's where I live. All right. I mean, that seems like an okay place to live in some ways. Um, I like Twitter. You know what? The, the more people say it's a hell site, the more I'm like, get the fuck off and make more room for me. I like the only thing that Twitter did recently that really makes me upset is getting rid of fleets. I thought fleets were fun. I like seeing people's weird JPEGs. Um, I don't really have a feeling one way or the other about fleets. I just know that I'm going to hate whatever they replace it. Oh, with. well, that's certainly true. Yes. Um, it's going to be very bad. Um, it's going to be some version of TikTok that isn't good. But even Twitter's inability to, to get anything right is, is sort of charming in its own way. So I'll take it. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a perfect site. It's not a hell site. It's a perfect site. All right, Dia. Well, uh, everyone go follow Dia. Everyone check out Dia's stuff. Uh, Dia's Patreon. What is your Patreon? Last, I, I, I subscribe to it, but I don't know the uh, URL. Does it just does Dia Lucina? I try to make everything just Dia Lucina. Now that's branding right there. That's... That's a master brander at work. Um, okay, yeah. Like I'm pretty sure, yeah, just patreon.com slash All right. It's a good it's a good Patreon. It's uh yeah, it's worth your time. Um yeah, a good video content, uh, which is something I can't do, so uh, I appreciate Dia being able to do it. Uh, because, <laughs> you know, it's nice to see and I like watching it and then I don't feel as horrible that I'm not providing it to the world. Um, because someone better than me at it is doing it. <laughs> Well, you do a lot of podcasts. I try. Yeah, yeah that's true. Like, that's a... see, you do. The, I can't do the podcast because I rarely have anyone that I want to talk to besides like you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's, that means a lot, actually. Um, and I, I, I don't know how to say that without sounding sarcastic because that's the only time anyone says that. But it does mean a lot. No, it's like whenever you have another guest that's not me, I'm always like, who the fuck is this? Jesus, that, that could have been I me. I could have been on this one. Um, well, you're yeah. always welcome back. <laughs> I think, you know, we'll just start brainstorming your next appearance. Uh, it should coincide with some sort of, like, new and horrifying uh, um, saga in the uh, game's difficulty discourse. Uh, let's make sure we catch uh, whatever extremely frustrating chud uh, has the next opinion on that. God. Uh, who will it be? Um, well, Dia, I will talk to you very soon. And, uh, yeah, have a good one. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash no cartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hegelbon, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts and writers and artists. 
Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.